In a new age world filled with delusions and wish fulfillment by morons in need of attention, renowned experiencers of high strangeness and podcasters Jeffrey Ritzman and Jeremy Vaney received invitations to a tropical paradise getaway called Paratopia. Little did they know, it was the same type of new age spiritual retreat they've been avoiding all their lives. Don't be shy. Well, um, uh, yeah. no. my whole family's probably been abducted. Yeah. Most likely. Including, probably probably including myself, but are there I don't know. still in order? In order? Yeah. Yeah. Sphincters. Are they working well? <laughs> Only you would ask that. A dude just called his whole family is abducted. You're asking about the sphincters? I'm Jeremy Vaney. And I'm Jeff Ritzman. And you're listening to Paratopia on... WPRN 105.3. New Orleans. Jeff Ritzman, Paratopia. 12-13. Saturday. The car during the night while we slept. Floating. In the sea of blue. Apparently snapped. Jeremy has drifted away. He's probably already at the ex-conference. I, on the other hand, have started what's left of the engine and am puttering along through the Potomac as we speak. Let me tell you something, folks. It's not all Tom Hanks and uh, volleyball with blood-painted faces out here. The seagulls were pecking at my feet all night. My jeans are tattered and torn. It's a good thing I brought that sport jacket. <laughs> We're lazily on our way. I found a small dolphin I'm using to paddle. I blasted him to the rear end of the car, and he's graciously uh, flipping his flippers or whatever they do. It's been out. Paratopia, this is Jeremy Vaney. <laughs> it is Thursday. Jeff and I have uh, made it safely to the shores of wherever the hell we're respectively from. And uh, we're g- I'm going to the X-Conference. Jeff went to kiss his wife and child, perhaps goodbye, perhaps for the last time. And I'm here with actor-comedian friend? Question mark? Hey, friend. Okay, John Flynn. I have to admit, for a second there, I was like, does he think my name is Jeff? This is going to be really awkward. (laughs) And then I was like, I'll just go with it. I'll just be Jeff this whole weekend. In um, what could only be described as um, a crazy omen, uh, we just went to get snack foods, and the cashier forced (laughs) John. I literally had to hand her the groceries so she could then run it over the belt. She would not touch them herself directly. It was like a weird religious ritual. Yeah, it wasn't like she wouldn't touch the groceries. She would only touch them if he handed them to her. Very odd. Very strange. And now we're waiting for Melissa uh, to, for the road trip to really begin. She's only an hour late, so that also bodes well. John, you're not um, what you call crazy. 
I well, we're all crazy in our own way, but I think I'm a different crazy than perhaps what we're going to encounter this weekend, which is what I'm most excited about. That is the kind of political correctness that might get you laid this weekend. <laughs> I'm hoping <laughs> I get laid this weekend. Maybe I could fuck the crazy out of someone. That's my hope. <laughs> or have them fuck their crazy into me. No, what, seriously, what are you in this for? Now, you, is this for a stage act that, that I'll be seeing and embarrassed about later? <laughs> um, I'm not going to say no to that, but I just find it fascinating and curious. I actually started listening to your podcast when I was in L.A. Um, because I had nothing to do there. and not Which isn't to say that I have anything wrong with your podcast, but two hours a week is a bit much. <laughs> you know, Luckily, as I said, I had nothing to do, and I was like, oh, a voice that I'm familiar with. So Nothing I, to do in L.A.? How, did, how is that possible? It's sort of like that. You, you Once you get over having lunch with everyone, like once you're like, I don't want to just meet people for lunch anymore, then suddenly you're like, oh, then I'm doing nothing. And then after a week of doing nothing, then you go back to doing lunches because that's all there is to do. So during that week when I was boycotting lunch, I listened to your podcast. Ah. <laughs> and I've actually, I have to say, like, I don't know, I've never heard you talk about, like, your experiences, your story. I unfortunately have never... I've never been invited over to see your documentary. I don't... <laughs> really? I don't, yeah, it's true. You've never seen the documentary? I've never seen the documentary. So I don't know. I've sort of heard some piecemeal stuff secondhand from our mutual friends. So I was hoping that along this trip you could sort of share your experience ah. with, which you probably anyone listening to this, if anyone ever ends up listening to this, would probably already know. But, um, yes. So I'm a mere, merely a curiosity seeker. All right. That's fair enough. Uh, well, um, I'll, I'll share with you uh, my stuff off tape because even though it is a... is expensive. <laughs> yeah, 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 this Radio Shack thing, Yamahuzi, is, is really killing me. Um, no, because as, as you noted, the show is about two hours long and um, we've got three days of, uh, of uh, non-filler that's going to happen. So get ready, get set, go. I brought a bathing suit, so... Lead, here you come. <laughs> Paratopia. We found Melissa Reed, oh, a while ago. Now we're looking for the final piece of the traveling puzzle. Ramon, the sound tech guy who's making CDs for Stephen Bassett. But Do we really want to find him? Well, do we want to find him and will we? I mean, it's, you know, it's approaching 10 p.m. We're not anywhere near Gaithersburg, and uh, exactly, exactly what we all knew would happen. Oh, just get off at the first rest stop of 7A! Turns into a fucking nightmare of not ever finding any rest stop off of 7A. Uh, venting over, mission accomplished. Paratopia. It's like 2 in the morning. We finally have made it to the hotel, although... We're missing a bed, but that is going to be remedied remedied shortly and then sleep. And by sleep, I mean I will sleep straight through Richard Dolan's lecture tomorrow. Now, wait a minute. Is there anyone here, in your opinion, your informed opinion... Go on. I'm listening. ...that will be saying things that you feel like are legitimate and real and believable? Uh, yeah, Richard Dolan will, uh, Graham Hancock, Nick Pope. Um, probably Mitchell. I don't know R. Campbell and Bill Kirkland, so I, I don't, but Eisenhower and the ETs. The fact that they're putting a question mark there is good, because maybe it'll be about, yeah, that didn't happen. Um, so you think it might be an actual sort of more discussion rather than just pushing 
an idea or a theory. I'm hoping. I don't really know because I don't know who they are, so I, I don't know. Um, and Colin Andrews, I think, it, has I, a pretty yeah, good they rep. Do still fit that and Roger of, Lear, and Roger Lear will be interesting. Eisenhower in the 80s does still seem like a band that from the 50s. <laughs> yes. Like a bunch of like white guys in like suits and ties. No, the only people, there's only really one person here that I can say, well, okay, two. I make that three. Okay, there's three people here I can say are complete loons or frauds, and that's Jeff Peckman, Michael Sala, Alfred Weber. There are people here who I think are awful at what they do and should go away, which are Paula Harris and Nori. <laughs> so, uh, given that you find that, the, do you feel like do you, do you feel like you're alone in that opinion? Do you feel like it's a commonly held opinion? Like, do you feel like some like well, how do you think that those people who you feel are uh, worthless, basically, um, booked with lectures or presentations or something in this event. Well, see, this has been sort of the maddening thing in all of this, mm-hmm. is the question of, if you're sharing the stage with a charlatan, um, then doesn't that do wrong, to, yeah, to service to the, well, to you and to your entire movement? I mean, if, if Bassett's, you know, you met Bassett, he said CNN is coming, right? So if right. CNN is coming... Then they're gonna. What are they gonna focus on? The fucking buffoons, right? Focus on the crazy. Sure, that's how it always works because it's the it's the most sensational story. Now I talked to Greg Bishop, who's another. He's a, one of the good ones, and I asked him, you know, how do you feel about sharing a stage with people who you think are less than? And um, he says he sees it more like a circus or more like a, you know, it's um, gladiator kind of event. Well, no, that each each person is its own individual act, and that the audience is discerning enough to know the difference, but but they're not. I mean, if you've ever been to these things, they're not discerning at all. You, you want to say, well, everyone's in it for the same greater good, and so give them a pass, you know. Uh, if they draw a crowd, isn't that what's important? Um, but I don't know. I mean, if there's... There's no such thing as bad publicity, sort of. Yeah, I know Bassett believes that, you know. He definitely yeah. believes that, you know, anything that gets us in the news, gets it in the public conscious is, is good, but it's like, you know, not... Not exactly. <laughs> yeah, it is. It can be a tough call. But I also, I also feel like um, I, I don't understand what this is really for. Like the more I look at this, I mean, there are no experiencers. You know, maybe the docuary, documentary filmmakers or something. But um, so, uh, so anyone are any of these people lecturing or participating? Are any of these people people who have had an experience like yours? Not that I know of. I mean, like I said, I don't know Art Campbell or Bill Kirkland, so maybe, maybe there. But no, none of the other people, definitely not. Um, although I shouldn't say that about Colin Andrews. I'm not sure about about him either. But um, certainly, no, <laughs> no. I mean, and this is about you know disclosure. This isn't about you know what is that about? See, that's what I don't get. Uh-huh. If it's about we we need to take this real, well then don't we need to know? Don't we have to define? what the thing is that we want to be taken real. And if it's not, if it's just about, well, we want the government to disclose what it knows about UFOs or whatever, to what end? Right. Do you think it... So what do you think? Do you think that the government knows a lot and they're not telling? No, no. I think they don't know shit. Uh-huh. <laughs> gotcha. So then... I think if anything... Like, to me, what makes sense is that if there was, like, a UFO crash or something like that, that it was specifically to inject themselves. It was a staged thing to inject themselves in a physical way to see what we would do with it, you know? Like, if that happened, I think that's what makes sense. But, no, I don't think that there's government handshake deals. Yeah. Uh I don't think there's government handshake deals. And I mean, I I don't have to 
Well, like, that's not a real belief, because I know where those stories come from. Right. You know, and I can give you a history lesson on that, but, I mean, but that's all public knowledge, but people don't want to, like, see that. They want to, like, go with the myth well, the, the X-Files kind of, of it. Um, I mean, it, it's tantalizing, you know, like, it's sort of fun to, to, to buy into that, you know what I mean? Sort of, like, as kids, it's fun to, you know, like, it's fun to believe in superheroes, it's fun to believe in, sort of, fairy tales and stuff like that. I'm not saying these are fairy tales or are just myth, but I understand that that's the allure for some people, and that it's sort of fun to think about, like, what's really happening. When in the reality is probably, in most cases, mundane. You know what I mean? A kind yeah, of well, there's definitely, there's, you know, that's another thing. Uh, right of problem area for me is in saying, what is it that you want out of this? Do you want story time? Do you want sit around a campfire and, and freak each other out with fear and stuff, or do you really want to get to the truth, you know? And I don't think, I don't think people do, I think generally it, it, there's like two things. There's like story time, which is fun, and gets your imagination going and all that. Right. And then there's um, there's the brain wanting to answer the unknown, and so you, you superimpose this this fake answer on top of this unknown, and then you play by those rules. You start debating within those rules. And I think that's what this exopolitics is sort of stemming from. It's like they've already mapped out, oh, there's got to be this galactic federation of these aliens waiting for our governments to come clean so that we can join in the Star Trekian way. And okay, so you think, like, people have created this theory because then they feel like they can understand that theory and they can understand the universe, and that sort of helps them understand, some bring some sort of... Like they feel like, okay, I know that, or I, if I believe they that, want that us, they want aliens to be us in different bodies. But nowhere on here, I mean, Grant Hancock will be this, but even though he's not <laughs> saying it, but nowhere on here does it say, you know, well, what does the evidence actually fit? Because the evidence does not fit that mold. They want it to by excluding the majority of it, <laughs> the high strangeness and all that. Sure. But, but it doesn't go that way, unfortunately. So, so again, what do we want out of this? Why are we doing giant lectures? Why, what's important about all of this? Fairytopia, John Flynn and I are now eating lunch, having watched an extensive, if general, overview of ufology by Richard Dolan. You know, you know, you know Dolan. You know how that goes. You like... <laughs> it's old hat by this this time. You don't need me to really give you an overview. Although I thought it was interesting, the one point he made was about the uh, National Enquirer um, being run by the CIA and, and that they would um, run good UFO stories along with uh, hoax stories. And that's a way that you do disinformation: is that you put out the truth with a bit of a lie, and you confuse the two, which is exactly what the entirety of the ex-conference strikes me as when you have good people like Dolan up on stage with frauds like Jeff Peckman, who is floating around here, and I will trap later. But John, you're, you're shoving food into your maw. <laughs> how, how was your first speaking engagement in ufology ever? Um, it was sometimes hard to stay focused because he kept referencing events that I don't know, and so in that way it was like him talking up making reference to events and people and places that I assume everyone else in the in the hall is aware of. So I was just left behind. I don't know who that person is, but he would show an awkward picture of them from the 80s, which I found entertaining, at least on that level. Enough camp for you? <laughs> it's starting off slow, but I'm optimistic. <laughs> Cautiously optimistic. Uh, I'm throwing caution to the wind. Pure optimism. Good man.
So we just saw Colin Andrews uh, talk about crop circles, and it absolutely blew my mind and brought that straight out of my gray basket into the, oh yeah, that, that's happening. I thought it was an amazing presentation. John Flynn, what did you think? I thought it was interesting. Again, I had the problem of uh, a lot of these being referenced that I don't know, so I couldn't I couldn't tell what I thought of what he was telling me. Like, I, didn't have, I don't have any uh, other point of reference other than what I just heard. It's hard for me to put in context that way. Well, that, that's going to be a theme of the uh, of, of the weekend for you, I think. Because, <laughs> yeah. yeah, pretty much every speaker is going to be like, oh, you already know this, so don't worry about it. Right. There are certain things that just struck me as funny, how he kept showing these emails with information blacked out, so it was like, it, it might as well have been a Mad Lib, really. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you can't do anything about that. That's, 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 I mean, uh... It seems like, well, then why are you meant to bring it up? Well, he's bringing it up to say to say that, that there was official um, involvement in this and official giving a shit that Nick Pope, by saying, oh, nobody in the you know ministry cared about this, this wasn't officially investigated or gotcha. looked at. Demonstrably false. Dancing Queen John, it's as if they knew. <laughs> I requested this song. <laughs> I, gotta, I gotta say, uh, I just saw Rich Dolan who yes. uh, went over to Melissa and was like, Hey, Melissa! And I tapped him on the back and he looked down and he went, Oh, hey, Jeremy. <laughs> I thought, oh, shit. I guess some of the stuff we've been saying about he and his lovely wife have gotten back to him. But I don't mean any of it. It's a, it's a joke show. We, uh, well, I love Rich Dolan. Some people don't uh, understand the joke. <laughs> I have to say there's um, hasn't been a lot of... Uh, high comedy players at this event so far. No, there's not. And um, I find it surprising given some of the things that happen in juxtaposition to each other, like Dancing Queen. <laughs> but this will be high comedy, what comes up next, which is Alfred Weber. Well, it's got a great intro song. <laughs> I am now recording Alfred Weber. Because it sounds like his speech is going to be fucking crazy. Let's listen. First, we'll look at Solar Cycle 24, which is bringing a perfect storm. Then we'll look at the galactic alignment. What exactly is that? Then we'll look at exopolitics and the time acceleration matrix. And this John, uh, rose out of Gator going off, or just kind of creepy. Um, her most recent book, the Mayan it's code, still foggy. He's got a real David Guest quality about him, in which he could go to then we'll look at some of the positive outcomes. But unfortunately, no one wins, no matter what happens. Many negative memes associated with it, many memes of catastrophe. And finally, we'll look at exopolitical strategies, how we can, as aware conscious beings, uh, prioritize how, where, where, where we should develop our vital life energy. Where it's this has been recording for under four minutes. You are here. It feels like it's been so recording for an hour. So I will shut it off until this gets crazier. Please say something stupid. Please say something stupid. Please say something stupid. Right now, Alfred Weber is giving dates of historical events and what was going on in the disclosure movement at that exact same time as if they're related. 
vis-a-vis the galactic alignment by a calendar, Atlantis, blah, blah, blah. Look how important this exopolitical movement is. Brings to mind a question. So what? John Flynn and I have survived the Alfred Weber onslaught of insanity. Uh, it actually was more mundane than I expected. I thought there would be a lot. I mean, he sort of like fireworks uh, worked his way up to the end. It was a big build to crazy. Um, but it wasn't crazy in the way of like when he said the towers were taken down on 9-11 by alien beam technology. It wasn't crazy like that. It was crazy in the way of this is clearly a new religious movement disguised as politics where they take bits of, you know, Atlantis myth and, you know, uh, some sort of galactic explosion, you know, destroyed the civilization on Mars. I mean, this is all taken for granted. It's not, like, explained uh, how we're even just taking that for granted. Like, how do we know that? It's just, duh. I mean, these things happened. And it was all, you know, and all of this is couched in Mayan mythology uh, as a exopolitical movement. It's like, it's like a box within a box and all of it's bullshit. And in that way, I guess I kind of love it. <laughs> and when I'm not pissed off about it. <laughs> Creative, John? Um, certainly. I found that he sort of did a thing where he talked in a very mundane tone but would say things that, that were kind of more explosive. He just is a terrible salesman of his crazy ideas. Like, yeah, there was batshit yeah, yeah. crazy throughout, but he really didn't give it the polish and the panache that it deserved. Well, because to him it's not crazy. To him it's like, duh. It's like, yeah, Atlantis and then Mars, you know, it's unfortunate what happened to that civilization, but I'm sure in his his mind, he's he's all the, the wow factor is gone for him because this is just the way things are. But then, what do you think? Like the purpose for him of that lecture was was it just to hear himself speak? Was it just sort of like get people involved? Yeah, I think it's to get people involved so yeah. that will be part of the exopolitical movement of the future to create the the future that he has outlined that is possible for us. Well, in that instance, I think he was a failure. <laughs> <laughs> Because I don't feel like he galvanized people. He, he didn't get anyone excited. He didn't get anyone interested. He didn't sort of just do that. He was just very kind of like boring. It felt very much like a like an, uh, like an old, outdated English lesson or something like that, or like an old science lesson. Like there was no, there was no passion. There was no sort of Pied Piper or Harold Hill-esque sort of like follow me to this new promised land right. thing going on. So in that way, he was a failure. <laughs> In what way was he a success? <laughs> um, saying batshit crazy things. I mean, if he just wanted to hear himself talk, sure. I mean, I loved his thing of like the the the, the what was it? The I wrote it down. It was so crazy. <laughs> uh, the most important steps we can take to join the intergalactic council is for Mars to reunite with Earth. That's weird. You have to sort of address that. That's weird. I think. <laughs> Maybe I'm being too pragmatic. <laughs> well, you know, there's weirdness, and then there's... 420, by the way. There are, there are holes also in the logic, like, um, okay, so in, in really? the... Well, I know, fa- fancy that. But in, in the exopolitical future, um, the reason that all this has to happen is so that we can not be scared when the aliens come, because we've got, we'll, we'll have had this, conscious, uh, conscious, this revolution in consciousness to the effect that we're not scared to welcome our space brothers and sisters into the fold or have them welcome us into their fold, however that works. Whoever's, whoever's fold is being welcomed, right? But um, most of his information is based on 
remote viewing, which implies that humans are already talking to aliens right. uh, and welcomed into the fold in some way. And so what's so completely frightening that, that we have to overcome through some galactic alignment that changes our consciousness if it's already here now vis-a-vis remote viewing? Question mark? John Flynn, stop stuffing your face. <laughs> I, I don't know the answers right now. It's just more questions. That's what this weekend is bringing up for me. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? Is that one of them? No, um, not so much that. I know why I'm here. Can I be friends with Jeremy after this? Is that one? No, no. Uh, why is my ass just being sat on for so long? My ass is asleep. <laughs> I don't think it will ever recover. Welcome to my world. <laughs> John, alien implants, what did you think of uh, Roger Lear's presentation? Uh, I found him thus far to be the most dynamic presenter that I have experienced, uh, which was nice. I like his, his vision of the future and the clothes stuff that he was talking about. I hope I can get a, a dress made of uh, those kind of isotopes <laughs> and fabrics. Na- nano nano uh, clothing. Melissa, how's the hallway? Melissa Reed, ladies and gentlemen, Melissa Reed. Well, I'm telling you, you know... You're missing all the action if you're not in the hallway. The whole... What, man? I was going to say, we'll we'll, we'll be in the hallway for a while because we need to get food. We need to get... Maybe some of us need to get drunk. I don't know, but we need to take a jacuzzi. God knows. It's time for the jacuzzi, I'm telling you. But, you know, you get the real truth in the hallway. They're just, you know, they're editing everything there in the talk. And they come out here and they lay it all out. You know, they get nasty in the hallway. Nice. Yeah, it's good. So. Did, did Dolan talk shit about me? Yeah, and it's probably best that you weren't here. I don't think you could have taken it. Are you serious? Yeah. <laughs> sure. No. <laughs> oh. Paratopia, I've caught up with Nick Pope. And uh, Nick, what, what did you make of um, the ass-handing that you got earlier from your friend, uh, gosh, Colin Andrews? Colin, yes, Colin Andrews. He and I go way back. I hope we count each other as, as friends, certainly colleagues who respect each other, though we d- agree to disagree on a number of things. Um, Colin spoke to me about this this morning. Um, I said I was entirely happy that if he wanted to criticize me and bring up what he perceives as inconsistencies between my position and the position as he understands it. That was entirely his business, and I had no difficulty. Well, do you buy that that you're just being misinformed because you're still on the the watch of superiors? Well, he's certainly correct that I'm bound for life by the Official Secrets Act. Um, He's also correct to say, as, as he said, not necessarily in this presentation, but certainly in in an essay on his website, uh, that I, and in fact I confirmed this myself, of course, because of the sensitivities involved, particularly over royal issues. Um, Yes, I have personally, as has the MOD corporately, downplayed this issue um, consistently over the years. That's been the policy. Uh, it's, It's not a secret. So, well, what do you make of his, uh, you know, personal anecdotal evidence? Did did that move you at all, or or is it neither here nor there, the sound waves and all that sort of stuff? It's very interesting. (laughs) But did you look at that? Because I remember talking to you about this, um, I think it was the last X conference, and um, 
Yeah, I, I think you'd said like that the helicopters were, like he had said, just interested in these things. All that. I mean, uh, do you take into account any of this? Is this new information to you, or did you know that then? I mean, I'm, you're friends, so you must have talked to him about this before. Does it not do anything for you on a research level? Well, the helicopters paying close attention to crop circles, I, I see prosaic explanations for that, and low-flying training, uh, particularly um, in that part of the country, often involves aircraft flying fast and low, and that could be perceived as aggressive and dangerous, but the pilots know what they're doing. That really wasn't an issue for me. I was interested in what Colin had to say about um, physical effects uh, that people had experienced whilst meditating and, and uh, being out in, in the fields and things. I've, I've heard such things before. Um, yes, as I say, it's, it's interesting, but what, what judgment I can pass on it, I don't know. Well, I also do uh, remember you being open to the idea of, uh, even though there are these people hoaxing these things, um, you know, that they had also seen balls of light in the field and that there could be some other thing happening parallel to the hoaxing or in conjunction with it in some way. Are you, are you open to that still? Is, does, has anything changed, I guess is what I'm getting at. No, I don't think anything has changed. I, I always accepted that people see and experience strange things. I've certainly uh, said before, and I'm well aware that even some of the uh, human circle makers, the hoaxes, whatever you call them, have seen strange lights and, and experienced uh, one or two odd events. Um, that's not new to me. I don't necessarily have any answers for it, and as, as I say, it's, it's, it's interesting. And what do we have to look forward to with your presentation? Well, it's something slightly different this year. I'm uh, honored to be sharing my time uh, with Milton Torres, a pilot whose mid-air encounter with a UFO uh, was actually one of the cases released in the MOD's UFO files. And here was a man, uh, an all-American hero, uh, served his country with distinction, was asked to keep quiet about an event, loyally did so, because that's what you do. Um, when the Ministry of Defense files were released and when details of his case were in there, um, he felt, well, fine, if the MOD are now releasing this information, I can talk about it. And he has. So I'm going to be talking about the background to the release of the MOD UFO files, some of the cases therein, and then I'm going to say, and I am honored and delighted to be sharing the platform today with someone whose case was at the heart of, of the latest file release and whose story has now gone around the world. And I'd like to invite him uh, to, to tell you firsthand what happened. Uh, that's great. Well, I, I guess just one last question, uh, and then I will stop stalking you, um, which is it, it seems that um, not not just, um, not, gosh, why am I blanking on his name? Colin Andrews. Not just Colin Andrews, but I've heard from other researchers, you know, where they seem to have uh, the public thing that they endorse as their research and then their private uh, set of beliefs, and his sort of seemed to come out that, that this crop circle phenomenon is more about consciousness and all that. I didn't really get into it that much, but do you have a similar, do you have any inner suspicions that you are not able to reflect outwardly, and if you don't even have to expose them if you do, but just do you? Well, I think everyone, whatever field they're in, uh, will have some 
differences between what they're prepared to say publicly and what they will say or, or believe privately. And I'm no different. I lied. What won't you say publicly? I'm not getting into any details of that. But of course, I mean, as I say, it's, it's not unique to me. Everyone, I think, has things that they know, things that they believe um, that they wouldn't necessarily want to make public. And I'm no different. Well, let me just uh, shoot. I said that was the last question, but this really is the last question. Um, on that note, because I've met people who have said, like, you know, listen, this is what I will say publicly. This is the rest of my story that I won't say because I don't want it to destroy the credibility I've built with this, which I think is publicly acceptable, and this is not. Uh, do you think that sort of thinking ultimately does a good service to this field or a disservice by not presenting the whole picture? It's a bit of both. I think um, sometimes people would want to hold back on some of the more radical material uh, for fear that it will torpedo their their credibility. Now, sometimes you might say that's a good thing because that way they're not going to be portrayed as a complete nut job uh, and it gets the, the credible information out there. On the other hand, the flip side of that argument, of course, is that that sort of self-censorship means that you're only getting part of the picture. So I think there are arguments on both sides. Thank you for your time, sir. Thank you. No. Eric Close, this is your first UFO conference, and you were just espousing on what you've seen, your impressions. Can I, can I run away now? <laughs> no, seriously, this, this is what I thought today. All it is is people selling crap. They're here to sell something, to make money. They, I felt no passion in any of these people at all. Uh, no one's watching an alien abductee story, and I know why the aliens don't land are both on sale for ten bucks. You can't beat that. Do you see my face going red? Okay, you excluded. <laughs> you're, 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 Me and Paula Harris excluded. Yeah, and, and Melissa Reed. <laughs> no, I, I am passionless and all about the buck, actually, because I mean the room was a fifteen dollars extra with the uh, with the rolling cot, so anything that I make is is gravy. <laughs> oh, but no, I, I get what you're saying. Yeah. Nobody, but you were just saying, we need a, an outspoken voice. A charismatic voice. Someone who, who is, can sort of, through just their sort of personality, cause you to want to watch them. Someone like a John Flynn. Not necessarily. But, uh, <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, there's, there's no showman here. And I think you need someone who has that sort of sense of, like, um, engaging. That's more engaging in that sort of way. No. <laughs> I'm shaking my head. No. I Actually, that's what I was saying earlier. The thought hit me today. And you're going to crucify me for this. But the entire thing should go back underground and get out of mainstream. Because in the, in the attempt to make it mainstream, it, this thing made it so apparent to me that in the attempt to make it mainstream, all you're doing is bringing out the fucking nut jobs. Well, no, no, no. See, here's the thing. If you saw Weber's performance, you realize that the nut jobs is what it's about. That this, I mean, the thing that's, that's the least credible so far in everything I've seen is the exopolitical movement. Because what Bassett doesn't say is what comes next. And Weber outlined exactly what comes next after disclosure. He's got this whole futurist projection of, you know, this this uh, intergalactic Smurf village that's going to happen. You know, ties it in with Atlantis, ties it in with a destroyed civilization on Mars, ties it in with the Mayan calendar, ties it in with the sunspot cycle. And he does all this stuff, 
as if taking it for granted the way you would a religion. He doesn't explain any of even the myth behind it. It's just, we all know what Atlantis is, right? And that happened. We all know that there was a civilization on Mars that got destroyed, and so we've got to reconcile with them. I mean, that happened, right? And there's not even a question there of that happened, right? It just is, like any religion. And that's what it struck me as. I think you kind of missed my point, though. Eric's, Eric's going to destroy me. <laughs> no, 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 no. As brilliant as that was. I think I get your point. Your point is that, like, it needs to be pure about what it is as opposed to in, trying in to... A, in a way, I think it needs to be hidden again because if you're Joe Schmo coming off the street who doesn't know anything about what's going on and you come to an event like this and you're looking at all this stuff and, and you look at the things that people were selling and, the, and these books and magazines and DVDs and posters and all this crap... How could anybody take any of this seriously at all? It's become so commercialized, and, and it's what they, I think they've done is shot themselves in the foot and try to make it so public to gain acceptance that it's completely backfired on them. Okay, you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So the the legitimate people, you know, like you and others, need to go hide again. <laughs> seriously. And with, with my popularity, it's a lot like being in hiding, as is, so no worries. But you know what I'm saying? So, and just and let the, the whole public interest go away, so that maybe, because it's clouding all of the possibility for answers or for learning anything more. You know what I mean? It's all getting in the way, so climb back into the shell, go back underground. Well, do you think there's a way, do you think it's possible that we can... No, it's that, Well, do you think it's possible that, that we can, like a small wave, sort of build and overtake this crap movement just by more of us coming out and having deeper philosophical discussions about this? No, because the, the people that are propagating the crap have a bigger army. Did we learn nothing from Nam about the bigger army? But is, like, is there, like, the ultimate goal of, like, to be sort of, like, accepted or to feel like, like, the things... I don't like, isn't think that it's sort of it. Anyway, like, like ultimately, isn't that sort of the goal of any kind of movement? For some people, it's about being wanting to be accepted, but I don't think that should be the ultimate goal. I think the ultimate goal should be to figure out what the fuck is going on. Okay. Right. But in order for that to happen, don't you think there has to be a sense of like we all agree, like we all kind of agree on the rules of the conversation, or we all kind of agree on like what we do know? See, that's a problem. Nobody can agree on anything because. You may, let's say, researcher X might have a very good idea and a very good theory, but may get pulled away from that because now he's in the public limelight and he's starting to get, the public is slowly starting to pull the strings of him. You see what I mean? And, and kind of separates himself from the legitimacy that he may have once had. So, no, I don't think. Cut the strings. Cut the strings. Jeremy, what are you throwing in my face? <laughs> God. Ah, the annual hot tubbing. Uh, I, yes. Yes. I am full of shirt in this hot tub. That bald man, no shirt. But no, really, no one wants to see me without a shirt. Least of all, anybody here. So... John. Okay, so uh, I just did an interview with um, a film crew of two from Norway. We're doing a documentary for the television on all aspects of ufology. They've been working on it about two years. They're down to abductees. That was my cue. Um, once I got going, I couldn't stop blabbing nervously. Uh, they loved me. I loved them. It was a... Fun time had by all. That's wonderful news. Yes. 
I could be a cult leader. I've got this thing down to a science. You're getting there. You're getting there. Yeah. I think. Let this be the birth of you. Oh, are you alright there? Melissa Reed! That's right. It's been a. It's been a fantastic time here at the X Conference. Especially now in the middle of Meatballs 3. completely drunk and go. No. <laughs> I, yeah, no, I, I don't, I can't recall how many drinks I've had, but, but uh, it's all Steve Bass's fault because he, he had unlimited wine at the cocktail party, so, therefore, anything I say cannot be held against me. That is, that is fair enough. Okay, I just want to make that straight. Now, what do you think of Bassett? Oh, wait. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's very passionate about his conferences, and I've been to every one of them, and I've enjoyed them. Uh-huh. I, I, I have no further comment. What are you passionate about, Aaron Clark? Um, I, I need the, um, let's see. The comfort the, of a woman. <laughs> <laughs> no, see, the, um, there's a conflict between what I know to be true and the way the world, uh, is... Right. Which is living in fantasy land. Go on. I need my 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 worldview and the the way the world operates to coexist so that I can have peace in my life. So you're saying that the way that you see the world is correct and the way that, that billions of people in the world are is incorrect and you just need them to conform to you. <laughs> Who says that? Oh, psychos. Oh, wait. Narcissists. Uh, Dick Cheney said that once. Uh, I'm Cheney, kidding. I almost believe you. Dick Cheney, Dick Cheney and I believe that... <laughs> Birds of a feather. <laughs> the rest of the world can just go... 
no. No, seriously. Um, no, I feel like I uh, have um, knowledge of things that are true, and the rest of the world is, is living in this kind of false reality, and I feel like to feel it more at peace that the two need to coincide with each other. So what does the world need to do to, to better understand Aaron Clark? <laughs> well, no, the entire world... Okay, listen. This is Aaron Clark after, um, I don't know how many drink, drinks. Um, the, um, the entire world needs to realize that Aaron Clark is, is correct. <laughs> and, and they're wrong. Um, no, I'm... <laughs> No, I'm, I'm kidding you, but what, what do you think it is that's wrong in the world that's, that, that, that you, you see that... that no, okay, you know. so, so last year, um, I met Jeremy, and, and Jeremy, um, shortly after that, referenced me in, in a blog, and, and he didn't talk about me enough. There was only, there was only like one paragraph about Aaron Clark, and there should have been like there should have been like three par four paragraphs. Maybe the entire article should have been about Aaron Clark instead of just like one sentence. So, Aaron, what is the truth? What is what is? Yeah, what is the great truth? We're all oh. looking for this. <laughs> I wonder if you want those four paragraphs in my next blog, Aaron, you'll make this good. Well, I, no, no, I, I do not claim to know the truth. There, if not, a hundred, a hundred percent, honestly, I do not know what the truth is. I am open to change my mind to what the truth is. And um, what do you think it is right now? Um, on the UFO subject. You don't have to convince me. I'm just asking. What is? I uh, yeah. I don't. I don't. I don't even know who you are. <laughs> Eric Close, just meeting Aaron Clark for the first time. What? He's that's, 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 that's some good podcasting, by the way. I mean, no offense attend, intended there. Um, yeah, I just, uh, I just sat down here and I... And <laughs> We're never going to get to the bottom of this truth. <laughs> Last year... Um, I, uh, Karen, I think it was Karen Dolan that introduced me to Jeremy, right? Does she hate me now? Um, yes. <laughs> I'm so glad that we have a theme for this conference, and it is that the Dolans secretly hate me. <laughs> Go on. No, they're, they're great people. Yes, I love them. Please relate that from okay. me to them. I, I will. I do have a... I joke in here. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. I'm okay. shaking my hand. Great. All right. Next subject. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the truth. We didn't get to the truth. Oh. Yeah. yeah. I can't tell you. <laughs> no. No. I was really. It was cool to see that uh, that you actually wrote and said I met Eric Clark at the Cleveland Ecology Project. Like, oh yeah. He actually acknowledged that he met me. That was cool. So thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. I appreciate that. I did. I did in fact meet you. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad to have noted that. <laughs> and I'm um, proud of you for doing your project. Thank you. Now, will you tell me the truth? Um, I'm working on that. <laughs> that's that's the advanced degree. But speaking of advanced degree, Alfred Weber, did you see his? Yeah, yeah, I did. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> Do I even have to ask a question? <laughs> I saw Alfred Weber's uh, presentation. I. I like him. He's a nice guy. 
but uh, he he's more optimistic than many other researchers are. Well, let me lead you in the direction that I want you to go, which is, don't you think it's a mistake to uh, just talk about Martian civilizations and Atlantis and things like that with no reference to anything other than just taking it for granted that these things are true well, and part of the exopolitical schemes? Believing, he believes the uh, remote view um, information. Okay, so that's where he's getting that from? Yes, the, the Martian... Civilization information, yeah. That's okay. remote. Totally, as far as I can, can see, totally totally reliant on the remote viewing information. Yeah. Joe McMonagall, who is one of the leading remote viewers in the world, released a book in which he made a whole bunch of bold, ballsy predictions and went down chronologically when these are going to happen. And thus far, none of them have come true. When can we get rid of remote viewing as a tool for truth? I think that's an incorrect statement. No, you can go look at the book. No, I've, I've read two of his books, and he predicted the... the um, Ostrich meat would replace cows? No. <laughs> that, that was one. I'm it's just saying... That's happening in New Zealand. That was stand corrected. No, that was not what that was not what I was going to say. I was going to say I have read a couple of his books and one of his predictions was exactly right on there would be a war in Iraq in 2003 and that was exactly right on. And he predicted that in 2005, didn't he? No. <laughs> he wow, that's a minute. He predicted that in, I don't 1999, I don't remember exactly when the book came out, but that was one prediction that I noted that he did get right. Okay. Do your students enjoy the class, and what do they think about the aliens and spaceships and stuff? They, they seem very interested. I have had a couple people that uh, have read some books that I have given them, um, one of one of the students that I've had is in graduate school in, at Ohio State for astronomy. She's going to be a PhD astronomer. And she read Paula Harris's book on exopolitics and was very interested in that. Whose book? Paula Harris. Ah. <laughs> um, I, I read Paula Harris's book before I gave it to her. and um, Gave it back to Paula Harris? No, uh, back to the student. And it, it was interesting. I noticed that there were some uh, grammatical errors, but that was probably uh, from lack of um, proofreading. The, hey, we've uh, all been there. And, and I, I, don't, I do not hold that against anyone. Uh, it wasn't an error of information. It was an error of yeah. you know, details, yeah. sure. of getting out the kinks, but not, not anything significant, really. But the student that I gave it to was interested in it, so I, I don't judge uh, someone's uh, perception of, the phenomena. Um, you're better than me, is what you're telling me. I'm I'm better than Jeremy. <laughs> Aaron Clark is vastly superior to Jeremy. Aaron Clark, what is the truth? <laughs> We've been waiting all night. What is the truth? That, that's that, the truth. We've been waiting for that. I can't tell if you're being I can't tell if you're being facetious or not. But go ahead, ask the question. Again. I'm not going to tell you. If I'm being or not, but How did I get to write for you if a magazine? Bill Burns, you, yes. know, you had to have convinced Bill or Nancy Burns that you 
among millions of people know what the hell you're talking about. <laughs> it's very simple. I wrote a book called I Know Why the Aliens Don't Land, and the secret is I put an exclamation mark after the title. So it's ah. like, ooh, so, exclamation so wait, mark, wait, you so do know why the aliens yeah, don't so, land. So repeat that title again. I know why the aliens don't land. Well, that, yeah, maybe a little bit more exclamation. <laughs> I, I, it's very Swedish. Like <laughs> I know why the aliens don't land. That's better. Much better, but you can still... Harumph! I, uh, I had a very good... I had a very pleasant dinner with Nancy Burns and Bill Burns at the X Conference. I don't know, four or five years ago, maybe? That must have gone well, because they haven't been back since. <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw Bill Burns. I was on the uh, UFO Hunters show. Were you? Last year. Oh, wow. Oh, what, what episode? UFO Emergency. I don't know. The name of... I mean, the, the number or whatever. It was called UFO Emergency. It was on last fall. So a new question comes to mind. You think you're better than me? I Well, I already stated. I think that um, I, I believe that I'm better so than not So not really even a new question. <laughs> kind of proving yeah, so, that you are, in fact. So, yeah, even in your inebriated state, I mean, better than me. Even inebriated, I, I know that, that I've been asked that question already by Jeremy. And I've already answered that question, so... I feel like adult. <laughs> well, you, what you didn't see is that earlier... This evening, I spilled an entire glass of wine on Karen Dolan. Does she hate you the way she hates me? Wow. <laughs> Why do the Dolans hate me? Does Rich hate me? I think that they hate me in a different way than they hate you. Because here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting. I feel like the Dolans just hate me, but I felt a real connection with their daughter. Is that wrong? That's a little creepy. Well, not in that way. <laughs> what? <laughs> no, I just want the Dolans to love me. Well, I feel like I'm misunderstood. Yeah, well, you might be. I think I think you are. Jeremy's great symbol. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I know why they're pissed at you. Why? Don't you know why they're pissed at you? No, I know why aliens don't land. I don't know why people are pissed at me. Oh, no. Why what? Karen and Richard are pissed. The because Culture Because of your Con? magnificent film premiere at Culture ah, Contact here. My magnificent film premiere? Yes. What do you mean? What oh, that's right! That's right! I forgot about that. That would be a good reason. But yeah. no, that, uh, no, no, that was that was all worked out, I thought. You thought? Yeah, no, Rich actually found it really funny. They they, they they just found it a little too daring for them to be yeah. associated with. But, you know, but later on, perhaps, they decided it was best to not have anything to do with you. I think, I think when, you, when you see a film that is mocking everything uh, and making fun of your friends, um, and then the person who produced it uh, premieres it at a festival that he produced, that was a complete bomb. That probably <laughs> makes you want to just disassociate yourself from that person <laughs> forever. Jeremy, tell me more about your bombing conference. Um, it was fantastic in all ways that um, no audience saw. I mean, if you could have just been there, Aaron, you would you would have just been there. I would have, but I heard it, you know, that it wasn't going to be good. <laughs> you you were <laughs> well. Then maybe no, 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 maybe I'm, that's. <laughs> I'm I'm totally joking. I'm, no, but um, um, I I did see that you know all your promotions and everything and thanks and, for coming. Yeah.
Peritopia. It's uh, we're up to day two, day two of the X conference. John wants to know if there are any hopes, any dreams. What I want from the day, you know, after we're done with breakfast in bed, <laughs> we're sitting up. Um, I hope that Michael Sala is crazier than expected, and then that way we're all entertained. And I hope Graham Hancock is uh, worth the getting up for. After that, more jacuzzi, more bar, we're good. Paratopia. Uh, so, watched Grant Hancock speak, gave fantastic presentation on all of the sort of uh, DMT ayahuasca type of stuff Jeff and I have been touching upon in these here episodes. And uh, then I, I just watched Art Campbell and someone else talk about Eisenhower and UFOs, question mark? And um, uh, I, who, who is this, R. Campbell? I guess I don't know anything about him, but you know, they presented video evidence. One was a young woman in a horrible wig that looked like the man playing Mama in Mama's Family uh, and, and was really a bad actress, reading a letter from her dad, sort of discussing a UFO incident. Um, from his days in the army, but I mean, really, nothing authentic about that. And then, video from an old timer, who, from what I can gather, his testimony is that Eisenhower landed at his base. The end. I mean, there was no like UFO testimony attached to that. So, a brief presentation, which was thankful because um, not just for the presentation itself, but for the fact that we were standing in the back as the place was packed by the time we got in there. But essentially, Eisenhower and UFOs, question mark? Answer? No, period. John Flynn, day trois? Day dos. Ah, of the, uh, the X conference. Your take and go. Um, so far, much different experience. I think because I've, I've got enough, I've got more sense of uh, different schools of thought and whatnot, so I have more of a context of how to sort of take in the speakers. Um, the first guy, Graham Norton, was that it? Hancock. Hancock. Oh, I thought that was Graham Norton. The Something sassy, English. The saucy British comedian. <laughs> oh, I have to rethink what I thought now. Uh, um, he was great. He was very engaging. Um, I liked him. I could have heard him talk more. I liked uh, hearing the question and answer section of that especially. Um, this one we just saw, a little less so. Um, uh, it felt like outdated uh, theories, like theories that no one really believes anymore, sort of like um, like listening to old people uh, explain, like <laughs> it's like old math, like math that we like don't do anymore. <laughs> like we're on to new algebra, guys. Let's, let's talk about the new math. Why, I don't know why we're learning this. Well, I guess sort of like learning Greek or Latin, where you're like, I guess I see the value, but I also don't give a shit. Well, I don't know anything about Art Campbell, but it sounds like from his own description of himself, he's someone who like contacted a bunch of researchers because he thought he was he had an important story to tell and they were sort of disinterested. Somehow he ends up on stage. He presents two pieces of video evidence. One is a woman in a wig doing doing the exact act you would expect a woman in a wig to be doing, <laughs> not in porn. Uh, and, uh, and then the second that one is... felt like an audition tape for Saturday Night Live. <laughs> it felt like someone's kooky character that he's passing off as an actual, like, no, this is a real interview. That's what that felt like. Her wig looked comically unreal. 
It almost it looked like a it looked like she got it from like a high school production of Arsenic and Old Lace. But even her mannerisms were like, I'm the actress who's trying to look like I'm not acting. Right, like the reading of the letter and like the somber tone and how like the, the it was you know it wasn't like a devastating devastating yeah listen a lot of British people it wasn't like a devastating hard hitting story it was just very like your father's getting older he can only go he can only leave the house when the weather is good. And then at the golf course, he needs to use a cart now. Look forward to seeing you and the family in the fall. Like, just felt very, like, what is this? It was almost like sides from a Lifetime movie of the week audition that someone incorporated into her video. And that then, being said, I could have watched ten more of those videos. Well, sure. Completely entertained. And that, but then the, the, the old guy who came after, um, he wasn't quite aware of where he was. Yeah, I, 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 but he didn't say anything about UFOs, did he? I mean, he Not just said that I Eisenhower did. came to my base. Yeah. Fascinating. Yes. <laughs> and I, that proves... I mean, I love stories. <laughs> um, yeah, it didn't seem to add to an argument, but I liked when he, ret- he, he, got, he didn't want to say the entire word microphone, so he kept referring to them as the phones. That's right. That made me chuckle. Movies are talkies. <laughs> <laughs> And I also loved how he was like, I can't see anything that's actually going on because he was in a spotlight. <laughs> so this old guy did have this sort of deer in headlights thing, but he was like, I'm going to keep talking now. But the, you, you got the sense that if the lights came up and there was no one there, he'd be like, oh, <laughs> when did that happen? <laughs> like he not, not quite feeling or reading the crowd <laughs> the way you would hope. And yet a packed house, interestingly. Yeah, a packed house. I do think that's a good name for a band or... Eisenhower and the ETs. Or an improv group. Right. Well, get on that. All right, then. Perhaps this will be the name of your... We'll be playing Thursday night. Your one-man show for this. Eisenhower and the ETs. I'm actually not thinking one-man show. I'm thinking cast of seven or eight. Oh, my God. So we've really... Were you thinking cast of seven or eight before this, or or have we really expanded your horizons in terms of your own show? Uh, I was not committed to anything before this, and I'm not committed <laughs> to anything now. I mean, it could never happen, perhaps. I mean, I do feel like I've entered an alternate universe, then who knows how I'll feel on Monday. Mm-hmm. That being said, it's, it's, it's better than I imagined it would be. And I... Um, because one of the threads of this weekend has been my, my love affair with the Dolan family. Uh, I, I tapped Richard Dolan on the, the back, and I said, Richard, there's a chair there if you'd like to sit. He said, oh, thank you. And then he sat. And he sat. It was a very exciting moment for me. So I showed him by deed and not by word my commitment to yes, the Dolan family. To his comfort <laughs> and, your, and how you're always considering their needs. That's right, I am. Their, their experience. It's truly, truly behavior befitting a future son-in-law. Oh, really? Wow. <laughs> well, you did hit on his nine-year-old daughter. That's not true. I did not, uh, I wouldn't describe it as hitting so much as, please, bar wench, take away my, my old please canteen. Please to it on your weedy sneakers. <laughs> I guess, see, I don't know if I can keep that stuff. <laughs> I don't want to behave. Oh, I know that you can't. <laughs> I spy with my little eye something beginning with Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Jeff, welcome to Paratopia. Yeah, thanks. New recorder? Yeah. <laughs> how you doing? Good, how are you? I'm good. Paratopia, one John Flynn has just spent two hours with the NOR. Technically one and a half. One and a half hours. He's spending the last half hour signing autographs. That was amazing. 
<laughs> is that material or is that material? That was amazing. What was amazing about it? What first got you interested in George Norrie? First of all, I was impressed he had... Um, I use air quotes when I say impressed. He, um, he, unlike any other speaker, had uh, the house lights down and just a spotlight on himself, really forcing us all to focus on him and solely on him. He also had entrance music that... Um, <laughs> And I saw, I just randomly happened to be sitting uh, right by the door where he was going to enter. And so, like, there was a guy, like, seeming to, like, psych him up for his entrance. Like, as he was being introduced, he would be like this. I guess so, just, like, humming him up. And this was just, like, chubby, bearish man wearing a tie-dye T-shirt. So he comes out, he does this thing. And it's actually um, well thought out, sort of, like, Gaging, I can follow it. Maybe it's because like this is like the tenth speaker I've seen right now. I'm sort of like absorbing things. <laughs> so he made a little bit more sense in his initial thing. He plays a lot of sound clips uh, from his radio show of interviews that he's done, and then he opens it up to questions. Wow, there is a woman in there who apparently emits gold pellets from her body, which we can order from her website. <laughs> <laughs> What's the website? Let's give it a plug. That would be... <laughs> oh, good. Oh, this was highly notated. Uh, what did she say? Okay, wait. She said... Uh, she said, oh, here was her thing. I would like to... I wrote this... Typed this as fast as I possibly could. I'd like to introduce you to the EC. Extra celestials. Ah, Nancy Burson. <laughs> she points upwards. Awkwardness fills the auditorium. <laughs> she tells us, I met them first at a crop circle. I emit gold pellets. They gave me their DNA, which is now being studied. That's a fact. They are small but mighty. They have brought us the secrets of good health, and that is why they're here. These elements do not come from my body anymore. They have been left in a bowl for you to have. She also says you can order a book that she wrote, and she says, if you put my book under your bed, there's a good chance you'll have an experience. What was the book? Uh, it was like a one-word title. I should <laughs> Close. Um, something like identity or something like that. Some weird sort of, sort of dramatic but benign what at did the she same look time. Like? I only I couldn't tell because the house lights were still dark. I will not be. That might be Nancy Burson, the woman who's. Holy shit! That's hysterical. That's the woman I was telling you is like the beginning to my speech. Is like this is who I met. This is what happened. I am not like this. Here's my story. Nancy Burson. Named Jan from Brooklyn. Go on. She told him that he had a Jewish word. There's a Jewish word that fits him to a T, and that word is chutzpah. He had mentioned earlier that he takes 80 supplements a day, to which Jan said, before you take any supplements, it should be tested via kinesiology, because vitamin C can actually cause cancer. She then talked about the dark side of the government and tried to sell some weird light thing that she has. Oh, oh, the red thing. Yes. Yes. She said you can buy from other places, but you should buy from her because... While they look the same, the energy is different. Like the ShamWow. You only buy the real ShamWow. Yeah, a, a poor man ShamWow is really a poor man. And then uh, she talked a lot about the dark side of the government, which I was hoping that someone who was working the sound was near an iTunes and could play like the Imperial theme, but that unfortunately <laughs> did not happen. Someone else got up and in the question and answer thing and uh, talked about 
warned us that sometime in December, uh, vitamins and supplements are going to be regulated to the uh, category of poisons. So we're not going to be able to buy them anymore. He said this was a, 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 a law, I don't know what the word was exactly, that was signed in the Clinton administration that finally comes into effect this December, which makes zero sense <laughs> that the Clintons would like sign some sort of documents that not in nine years from now this will be effective. <laughs> And apparently was also, uh, this, uh, according to this, uh, the calculations, that, that, that once that happens, four billion people will be reduced. And this was apparently signed <laughs> illegally by Clinton because he didn't get whatever thing he needed. So, like, the whole, just the, the signing of it alone was illegal. Ah. Guys, <laughs> someone's got to start paying attention. <laughs> <laughs> some shit is going down. So, is there any way that we can verify? Can we check back in and say, January of uh, 2010? If this lie doesn't go into effect, can we check back with this person and figure out why? Well, luckily, um, George uh, sort of said, I, I don't think anything's going to happen in December. So he did kind of squelch the panic that was building in the room. <laughs> well, he kind of, he, he, in honesty, it was probably his own panic because he takes all those supplements himself. Well, I think he's, thanks to Jan, now going to have all his supplements tested by kinesiology. Ah, fantastic. Will he be trading any of his supplements for the gold pellets emitted by one's uh, body? Uh, that is quite possible. She did say she wanted to be alone in a room with him so that he could maybe have an experience. And he said, only if you shit gold pellets. <laughs> now, in all honesty, I, I did have an experience with her in a room, and, and that experience was I sat uh, on her toilet while she sat on the floor in front of me and put a small uh, glow-in-the-dark statue of Mary on the edge of the bathtub, put on the radio. Girls just want to have fun came on. She started rocking out to it and going, do you see it? Do you see the statue dancing? Did you see the statue dancing? I did. And the reason I saw the statue dancing is because if you stare at something that's glowing in the dark, your eyes make it do this. And, and what's interesting to me is that she's a professional photographer and doesn't know that about, for instance, the eye. So <laughs> that's what we're dealing with. And, and yes, it was the um, the crop circle extraterrestrials uh, come through her the portal in her bathroom. That was part two. Part one was Mary. Part two, jumping the shark really was the extracelestial portal in her bathroom. Um, and what was funny, the reason that I tell this story to begin my speech is because at the very end of it, she asks me to tell some of my story or whatever, and she, she says, do you, do you see them in the room? You know, and I'm like, no. They're, like, they're blue. They're blue you know, lights or whatever. And I say, no, I don't see them. She's like, they're telling me, they're giving me a message to you. They're saying that you, you, what you need, you need to get a sense of humor about things. You <laughs> and that's how I end my speech, and then people in the room laugh, and they get it, and she doesn't. And then you sign an autograph? <laughs> yes. It's end of speech. And then I say, where are you from? East of the Rockies. Did you do any of that? A little bit. Some people were on this. I was on one of the sides. I sat by a table. I was like, I've earned a table position for this speech. <laughs> um, so he was very, like, favoring people on the other side of first, and the people around me were like, go east of the Rockies, east of the Rockies. But that joke sort of came out. Not, it wasn't as heavily uh, in rotation as it might have been. Wow. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you finally had the, um, the UFO conference experience that you probably expected coming in. I'm glad that finally came yes, to fruition. And yet I had no idea at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> Would you say that this was your favorite uh, speech? Um, uh, sure, I guess. I mean, they've all had their joys in certain ways. It's like, you're asking me to choose my favorite child, almost. <laughs> this is probably just the most successful child, so in some ways I don't want, I don't feel the need to praise it too, too much. Just let that child speak for itself. Very good. <laughs>
and the brain will go, what's that? What's, what's that? What's that? Oh, it is. Like, uh, this is your brain. I'm like, oh. I just went. This is everyone in shock and awe over their own brains. We just got done doing uh, Masahiro Kahada's EEG tricked out machine, and he hooked it up several ways, and one where you can sort of control this flight simulator, if you can get your left brain, right brain going in different frequency or different, I don't know, whatever whatever the hell the word is. Um, and the other is musical tones that you create with your brain. Very crazy stuff. This is your brain. This is your brain. This is your brain on musical tones. Jeff, your impressions of the, uh, the brainwave device. I want one. Jeff is buying one immediately. I want. I gotta have it. I can't do without it. I'm, now that I've seen it and experienced it, I must have it. It is. It is pretty cool. Here we are again. Did anything surprise anyone about their brains? I don't think. <laughs> yeah, mine's boring. I thought mine just mine's like boring. A... Boring, says Eric. Hmm. The weird thing for me is, um, you know, apparently the last time I hooked up to the brain device, um, Masahiro was amazed at how. My alpha wave was uh, large or whatever. Ba- basically, what he said was, my he kind of said that 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 he was in doing this with like natives, I think in South America, but people with sort of pure natural brains. That mine sort of mim- mimicked that, so that's why he was surprised by my brainwave pattern last time. This time, we're all like dead tired. He said there was more coherence than everyone else, but but it didn't enter that same alpha state. The first time I did it, it didn't enter that alpha state. It was like a delta theta, which is deep sleep, while I'm wandering around doing this, you know, meditation, uh, dancing stuff. And so to me, what's surprising is, is, as far as I am concerned, I'm not doing anything differently, and all three times are three completely different responses. So I don't know what to make of that. But... I let everybody watch me like a fucking train circus pony. Jeff, your thoughts? Uh, yeah, you're a weirdo. Yeah, yeah. That, so, there you go. I think that's consensus opinion. So, John. Yes. Uh, was that weird for you? I don't understand what I watched. So, uh, weird's probably too strong a word. Okay. Uh, I'm left befuddled and not sure if anything conclusive has happened as far as I'm concerned. Towards me. Perfect for the X conference. <laughs> I suppose so. I suppose that it's the X conference in a nutshell. So, what about your brain waves? What did you find there? Well, that oh, that's what I was referring to. I just, she just she just said like that's alpha, that's beta. She just sort of told me what it was, but didn't give me any context about how to interpret it. Well, clearly, if, if I'm questioning you, it can't be about anything except myself. So, really, I was referring oh, what to do me. I think about you. Yeah, when you were like watching me do those moves, you were like, "Ooh, what's this? That's crazy." Now, those moves. Though, I have a question about those moves. Were those moves that you? were taught to do or you were just sort of instinctively making those movements no like in 2000 I had this energy <laughs> swell up in my body and ever since then it's been evolving into this bunch of weirdness and one of the weirdnesses is uh, doing these movements don't know what to make of that so you just sort of do them in an intuitive way you don't have any sort of sense of routine or any sort of pattern that you yeah no I just sort of like turn it on and it does it it's not me doing it huh. So when is your exercise video coming out, then? <laughs> Pilates by Vaney. Well, that's the thing. Since I don't know what these moves even are, let alone what they do in sequence, I can't even do that. Like, I can't really make money off it because I don't even know what the sequence is that's that's magically delicious. All right. If you applied yourself a little more, I'm sure you could make money off it. 
I like how you're, you are just not affected by anything that has happened at all this weekend. That's fascinating to me more than anything at this conference. In a bad way or a good way? No, well, in a, just a fascinating way. I mean, not bad or good. Just the, the fact that you can, it's almost Zen. It's like the Zen master of, of walking through uh, a mine, mindscape of landmines where you should be like ducking and dodging and wanting to get the hell out of here. And you're, you're almost delighting in it. Oh, I'm completely delighting in it. I'm sad that I have to leave early tomorrow. I feel like the way I, um, I don't know if it was the lineup or just my own experience, but like today I was able to enjoy and appreciate the speeches in a very different way than I was on Friday. Probably because I'm starting to get more of a sense of uh, just the whole scene and sort of realizing different like branches of it. Like it's not all the same thing. Like there's the uh, there's the intergalactic council out there we need to contact with branch. There's the it's a higher consciousness thing happening kind of branch. Then there's the we got to get the government to tell us what they know. Does anything strike you as more valid than another, or is it all just silly shit, or do you not even think of it as either of those? I wouldn't say I think it is either of those. I think the talk about it being a higher consciousness I found more interesting and perhaps more more likely to believe, although I don't necessarily believe it now. Although I'm not saying I disbelieve anything. I sort of came in here just wanting to experience what this was, as opposed to like come to any conclusions or prove anything within myself. I see. So I think that's probably why I don't feel like running screaming. I just sort of want to observe how this whole thing happens right. and the interactions of it all. So it's like looking at a native tribe when you're a, sort of a sociologist and you're just kind of like, oh, they're doing that crazy dance. That's kind of cool. Yeah, this is my Jane Goodall weekend. The artist formerly known as Brian, you may know him as Iculus from our message board, has met us in the bar here. And... Uh, He's got a Greer story to share. He saw Greer coming years and years and miles away. Yeah, the, the first uh, conference I went to was in 98 or 99. And uh, we went to a little thing he put on. I think it was free. Or maybe it was 10, 20 bucks. It wasn't like nowadays where it's $2,000 to shine lights in the sky. But, but um, I went, saw him. I went out to his field, shined flashlights. And, and there were people channeling bird people in planes or, or spaceships coming through the mountains towards us but they looked like planes from SeaTac airport and did they so were they like oh my god UFOs UFOs they were I think so yeah UFO yeah and did, Greer, did Greer respond to this I, I, I think he was just going along with it I think and, and, and you, you you spoke with him and you asked him about the the aliens that he has seen and, and what was his reaction to that uh, frustration <laughs> I don't know Frustration. Like, 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 kiss my ring, why are you talking to me? Frustration, or like, I don't have a prepared answer for it. I think he kept brush, or, or saying one moment, one moment, and, and kept going around. and. That's what he did when I was questioning him. And, uh, just, just, I'll get to it, I'll get to it. Then he never really did. Really icky, really icky feeling. Bad vibes. Interesting. Was he effeminate, and did he have the mannerisms of, like, a used car salesman pitching you something on TV at the time? Or like the, the, the scammer-type guy in high school that's going to shake you down or I don't so know. I'm just wondering how he's evolved through the years and what year was this? it was 98 or 99 and so it's, I'm a little fuzzy and I just brought it up now so that's fantastic so I was in Seattle and I was like at the Under the Needle some, some kind of conference he did on Under the Needle there and uh, we tend to say On the Needle 
but uh, <laughs> well, no. I mean, we're we're always fans of the impromptu Greer story, so I, I thank you for that. Just the other thing that really stands out is the person that kept seeing the bird people coming. That 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 was awesome. And it wasn't him. It was like some other person there who kept seeing them coming towards us. And did they ever make it to you? No. <laughs> Do they stop and just start pecking at, like, grains randomly, or what happened? How do they not get to you? They just get to us. <laughs> what else? Can I... No, wait, I don't understand this. There were bird people there, and they weren't getting to you. I don't, that, what, what held no, them up? No, the, a, a, a person was channeling them, or, or saw them coming towards our place, and they were in a mountain at the time, like, coming through it. <laughs> That's how fucked up it was. That's a, thank you for that. That sounds fantastic. Another guy had a bunch of pictures with like you know the shutter speed open and just you know in front of a lights you know obviously just shaking lights. And, and now I asked Greer about shining flashlights and he assured me that they were high tech lights that they were shining, not just mere flashlights. How high tech are we talking? I think there were those like lows, like two million candlewatt things. And maybe some lasers. So perfect for like if you really wanted to contact something in deep space and have it come down to you wherever under the space or needle. Or if you're coming through a mountain. Through or if you're coming through a mountain, that would be, would you describe that as the perfect light to flash into uh, deep space? Yes. Or would you say that, that, or, or would you say that those lights are more perfect for contacting woodland creatures to shoot them? <laughs> Could the bird people in a meditative state actually have been, what's the word I'm looking for? Birds. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> Eric Close. Hold that thought. Before before you say anything, every time I look over at you, you look completely disgusted by everything you see, hear, perhaps taste, touch, and feel. Uh, Why would you say something like that? <laughs> well, true or false? Is, that a, is it that apparent? <laughs> Am I that what this? What's most disgusting to you about everything that you've heard today? Uh, I was actually hoping we would... Or seen. How about this? Wait a minute. Let's let's do this. No, wait, no, wait. No, wait. Uh, well, we, we're leaving early tomorrow, so we can't really do that. So this is our crossover noosphere. This is this is this is it. We should go to the art room. It's quiet. All right, let's go there. But can I just ask you the one joke question, which is in the race between what you've seen and heard, which is winning? Which is the worst things you have seen or things that you have heard? What is the worst thing that I've seen or the worst thing that I've heard? No, no. What what is winning? Like if you had to like say, okay, there is a race to the finish line of I am disgusted. Is it A, things I have taken in with my eyes, or B, things I have taken in with my ears? Oh, definitely with my ears. <laughs> John Flynn, it's Sunday morning. I just checked out. At what point did you realize you stole all the towels? Because for me, it was when I turned around and there was nothing to dry myself with. Uh, I uh, thought I told you that I'm a rabbit towel thief uh, with a somewhat compulsive need to just take any plush object that I see come in contact with. I'm surprised um, you were warned of this by our mutual friends. What's interesting to me about this is that it is quite possible, given my size and my girth, to dry myself fully with just a mere hand towel. <laughs> things you learned in the conference that go into that. <laughs> yes, yes. So, I th I, actually, I thank you for that. Uh, Roswell, question. Did you ever uh, get any information that what may have brought down the, uh, the UFO was a new type of radar that was designed for tracking captured V2 rockets from White Sands? No, I, I have not heard that. I don't think that is true. 
because the area of the crash was uh, sorry, Chair. Not that I don't believe amenable to that to that uh, phenomenon being isolated as it was northwest of Roswell, far away from the White Sands, and uh, so I, I can't really speak to that with authority, but it doesn't seem reasonable. Well, there goes the whole exopolitical grand knowledge of what happened at Roswell. Fuck you. Very close, this is where the Noosphere Paratopia crossover ends. As we walk toward our cars and get the hell out of here. Uh, has this really amped you up for more conferences or what? No. Well, it was nice meeting you. It was nice meeting you. <laughs> <laughs> On a positive note. Oh my god. 2.08 a.m. Jeff Wurtzman, Paratopia. More than 12 hours spent at the X Conference 2009. I'm now motoring my way back to the island after hijacking a small tugboat. I'm leaving Jeremy behind with his friend John, actor, comedian, man about town. And Melissa, hope to see you again, my dear, very soon. Enjoyed our end-of-night discussion. Eric from the Newsphere. Enjoyed hanging out with you all day, man, and we got to seriously get together sooner than later as well. Um, and Jeremy, you bastard, I'll see you on the island. I'm taking the big hammock. Uh, right, so... Did I enjoy this conference more this year because I didn't partake of anything it had to offer? No. I enjoyed it because instead of doing that, I missed two of the speakers I wanted to see. Graham Hancock, Colin Andrews. I'm very tired. Probably shouldn't be operating a motorized vehicle at this point. But I am. I have to go. Continuity sucks. Anyway, uh, I did buy the DVDs of both their lectures, recorded today, live at the X Conference 2009. You can probably pick up your own copies, I'm assuming, possibly, but let's plug it anyway. www.paradigmresearchgroup.org Go check it out. See if there's anyone that you would find particularly interesting to listen to, and buy a DVD. So there's my special thanks to Stephen Bassett for giving me a pass for today. I appreciate it, Stephen. Much appreciated. And um, hope to go back next year. It is fun to hang out with like minds and just talk and meet new people. Um, plenty of far out cats this year at the X Conference. Plenty of far out cats. I did try to kind of maneuver my way around them, and I figure if you keep your head down, you just walk real fast. Most of them won't approach you. So there's a tip. I thought we were getting away unscathed, but unfortunately a bizarrely haired man approached us with books about yogis at the end of the night, which I didn't partake of. 
You know me too well, Paratopian, so I don't go for any of that bullshit. Uh, but Jeremy got one. So, maybe it was worth reading. I don't know. Anyway, um, had a great time. But I'm very, very tired. And, um, uh, yeah, I think that's it. The dolphin has left me. I'm, I've hijacked a small tugboat from the Potomac and I'm making my way slowly back to the island. Jeremy, I'm taking the big fucking bunk tonight, so we should have a lock. Sleep outside. There's a sleeping bag. So what did we learn, as Jeremy would say? I learned that, uh, you don't eat Angus steak burgers for lunch with hot sauce, because those very burgers will come back to haunt you at 2.12 a.m. on your way home. I learned uh, about halfway home that uh, I have to pee. And uh, and if anyone thinks I'm pulling over in the pitch black darkness on a route I don't know, to relieve myself, you're sadly mistaken. I may have to partake of the dreaded, old, sun-baked Pepsi can in my cup holder. And I don't think any of you want to be around for that. And as my good friend Jeremy would say, back to you, me. As we leave the ex-conference, uh, well, the final speaker was Edgar Mitchell. He walked on the moon. He did. Um, claims it's not made of cheese? Yeah, well, someone brought up the rumors of the dark side of the moon. Right. Uh, which he seemed very dismissive of immediately. Uh, he said it was like a fine, a very fine powder on the dark side. Or no, on the front side. Something yes. about lava and gravitational pull. Yeah, one side was volcanic and had uh, sort of a hardened lava feel, and the other side was powdery. And powdery ash. That's why there's a difference in uh, composition of the surface texture of the moon. I didn't realize that the moon didn't rotate that much. I assumed it sort of rotated like the Earth, so that the dark side wouldn't always be the dark side. Am I wrong? Has my grammar school... I don't know. You didn't, you didn't really cover that, did he? It's that weird... It, is, it was kind of nice to, to have a whole weekend experience to really get a sense of, like... Because it's like the same people ask questions every single time. Right. So you really got a sense of, like, what their agenda is, where their brain is at, and all that fun stuff. I thought it was, um, it, it's interesting to see that, you know, here's this guy who walked on the moon who can speak eloquently about science and all of that, you know, all of that stuff's fantastic, but essentially, you know, during the Q&A, people are asking him all of these UFO-type questions, and, you know, the answer is, I don't know, I've read the same books you have, and so... Yeah, I actually found that sort of uh, reaction from him to be nice. Like, I thought it was uh, irritating how people would get up and tell the story of why they decided to ask the question they were going to ask. Well, that would be Dr. Roger Lear, one of the presenters <laughs> of the alien implant uh, yeah, information. Right. Well, he wasn't the only one. His was the most glaring example of it, though. But certainly people are like, oh, it's, for, it's such an honor to be speaking to you right now. And I was thinking, what kind of... I think I speak for everyone here. There was those two phrases were in every question. Mm. Um, yeah, please, uh, conspiracy theorists, do not speak on behalf of the room. That's... Yeah, don't, don't presume to be speaking for me, conspiracy theorist. I almost wanted to be like, I do not want to have the answer to that question. <laughs> I'm 
just always amazed when old people can stand for that long at a podium. And I'm not even joking. Like, I don't think I can span for, stand for that long at a podium. <laughs> you could lean forward on the podium. If it was just a mic stand, it would be problematic. Uh, speaking of that, everything having to do with the mics was problematic. It, I mean, it was kind of a conspiracy theory, I think. Some people just did not want the information to get out this weekend. It was so, it was so bungled that I almost think that the, the tech guys have, uh, some sort of, you know, ADD problem. Because it wasn't just technical glitches, it was like, now they're fiddling with lights. Now they're moving the camera. Now they're putting other things on the screen that don't belong there. Just stop fidgeting! Right. Yeah, it was inter- it's sort of like you forgave it for the first lecturer. I'm sure the first lecturer guy was annoyed by it. But you're sort of like, well, they're just figuring out the kinks. It's the first time they're doing that. And we all know that, you know, technology has its own little quirk. But it was just continual throughout the entire weekend where it was like they never hit their groove. Which yeah. is crazy. Now, John Flynn, at what point in this conference did you hit your groove? I have to maintain it was the question and answer for uh, yesterday... I don't know if that's when I hit my groove or when I suddenly hit the sweet spot. I'll call that the sweet spot of the conference. <laughs> that was conference. George Norrie. That was George Norrie's coast-to-coast question and answer. That alone could be a show. Um, with that, I think the second day was sort of a groove-hitting day for me because I sort of understood what to expect, started to get a better sense of different philosophies that exist, even if I don't know any specifics about any cases or about... Uh, people's experience and stuff like that, uh, in that way, I sort of started to be able to appreciate the lectures on a different level, which sounds retarded to say, but um, they had more context for me. I, had, I had, was more informed, so I was able to look at them better. That being said, I will be interesting to me to have conversations with people for the rest of the day that don't suddenly turn into weird conspiracy theory conversations, <laughs> or, uh, you know this belief that there's disinformation out there, and if the government tells us the truth, then something will happen, but no one seems to quite know what will happen. you find it um, telling in any way that Stephen Bassett, who has maintained that there is no such thing as bad publicity, does not want Edgar Mitchell to do the CNN International interview, because it might, it might snake the press conference, well, okay, scoop this, the, the press conference for tomorrow. Is that just self-serving? Uh, BS, or, or what is that? Uh, I think it uh, is an over-exaggerated sense of importance of the press conference for tomorrow, but not, uh, there's, uh, that's not, it doesn't seem too crazy to me to be like, well, we're having this press conference, and I don't want to piss off the people who are having this press conference with tomorrow by allowing you people to come in and do the interview the day before. But they're interviewing one man, so couldn't they have the tagline of that at the NB, and you can hear more Vigor Mitchell tomorrow at this press conference. Like, it could be an advertisement for the press conference. Uh, I suppose it's possible, but it's also possible that someone might be pissed off. I don't understand the, the full story of how press conferences work. I don't know if there's a protocol that is established that I'm not aware of or not. Uh, what else we got? Did you like anyone that we've met personally? I found most of the people that I met on a one-to-one uh, basis to be uh, very enjoyable and uh, fun in, in, uh, in a myriad of different ways. Um, there was no one that I like hated, certainly, that I talked to. It was a very interesting sociological like experience just watching different people um, 
and how in some ways it mirrors any other group that would be like that, and then it, that has its own personal idiosyncrasies. Um, what now? How do you you have been to many conferences? How would you put this one in context of other ones that you have uh, attended? Um, well, I haven't been to many. I've been to this is my third X conference. Um, I, and I was spoke it back to the charm. Yes, yes, it was. And I spoke at Pat Marcatilio's, and you know, I held my own a couple of years. So, I guess if you're going to include that in it, um, I would say that well, of the X conferences in Pat Marcatilio's conference, um, this was probably the best of those um, because the quality of speakers that I saw were better, and the and the ones that I knew I wouldn't like, I avoided, mostly. So you were more selective this time around than you had been in the past? I was more selective and also more learned in what to be selective about, because I didn't fully know, you know, like, when I first went to the S conference, I'd never heard of Alfred Weber, Michael Sala, or any of those characters, and so, you know, I just didn't know any better. Now I know better. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, but it, I, honestly, you know, this is going to sound awful, but I think the last culture of contact was probably the best lineup of people uh, of any of them. Um, because you did have David Biedney, who rarely speaks and had a great presentation. Um, you had Teokes and Ghost Horse speaking about uh, the Lakota, which you rarely hear, uh, and performing. Um, you had uh, Dr. Matloff, who's a uh, NASA scientist, who I think probably the ex-conference who killed to have speak there, you know. So, it was more legit people, and, you know, Dolan spoke there as well. Um, so, trusted names uh, from the UFO field, and also um, people from outside the UFO field that, that are completely After legitimate. 200. Interestingly, though, John, yeah. I got into this for free, and this truck is going to kill us. And um, so it's what was it per day? Do you remember what you paid? I paid one twenty for the two. Well, it was supposed to be just two days, but I just walked into today and no one said anything. Okay, so so two days plus Edgar Mitchell. I didn't really, you know, I, I, like I said, this is the best for me because I saw speakers I enjoyed, but I didn't see a lot of speakers. Right. <laughs> as, as a result of not paying, I, I think um, if I had paid for this, I would have been pissed because the price is so high to see like two or three speakers of a giant panel right uh seems wrong somehow i think if you want to know like if i thought it was worth it yeah sure uh i mean it's hard for me to say because i really just came as a sort of like curiosity seeker so yes it was completely worth it but if i was like coming like looking for specific information or looking to hear certain people like i didn't have that expectation mm -hmm. so uh, it would be hard for me to gauge that in a way that would be comparable to what you might think had right. you paid for it. Yeah, maybe if they did a day of like, oh, here's good people, and now the day of buffoons. Well, here's the question I have. So, like, you know, you talk about, like, when you did it, you had a great lineup. How hard is it to get these people to come and speak at a conference? Um, not hard. I mean, you know, it, interestingly, we didn't pay anybody. Uh, we paid, go I, I paid Ghost Horse, um the group because they performed and he spoke uh -huh. um, but other than that we didn't pay anybody so you know two years in a row so there are people who are just willing to go and, and uh, they sell their wares and that's right, how they, they make their, their money. money even though they don't get it from you directly yeah it. so not hard um, for a lot of people now someone like Edgar Mitchell um, I spoke to Bassett about and he costs 
thousands and thousands of dollars. Right. So there are there are, there are certain people who you know when you walk on the moon you don't do things for free. True. You're in a very select group. You could you could charge. Um, but overall, um, not too difficult. And I would think that if you had a cheaper venue than what you're ever going to find in the New York, New Jersey area, then you could afford to fly in one or two big wigs. Right. Heavy hitters. How much did yours cost? Um, the last one, because we did it in this huge old movie theater, was like nine grand or something like that. And how much did it cost to attend it? We tried to do as cheap as possible, which was probably the biggest mistake ever, which was like, I think it was like ten bucks... Um, it might have been 15 bucks for one day or something, but I think it was, it was like 10 bucks. That's a great deal. And if you just came for, like, we showed War of the Worlds, the old War of the Worlds movie, because the, this theater has a huge following for these old movies. Oh, okay. If you just came for that, it was like the normal, like, six bucks or whatever. Oh, okay. So that's not bad. That's great for a movie. Yeah. But very, very few people came out, and I'm still baffled as to why, but whatever. I mean, yeah, I mean, I'd like to make the argument, well, they didn't come out because... You didn't have any of these um, speakers with giant answers or anything like that, but I don't know. I mean, how many people are really coming out to see Alfred Weber and Michael Sala at this thing? I mean, most people, I think, were there for an Edgar Mitchell, uh, Graham Hancock, you know, people from the U.K. who rarely speak here, you know, right. uh, and certainly not in a UFO context. Colin Andrews, who fallen off the face of the earth for quite a while. Um, you know, these are sort of curiosities to people. And... Uh, so there's some sort of, like, rarities in this conference. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think it is a sort of interesting point that you bring up about, like, the speakers that you're kind of interested in are the people who are still kind of asking questions and they don't have answers and they're still sort of just, like, having a dialogue, it seems like, more than just going, this is what it is and this is what we need to do and this is what people are doing. Mm-hmm. But by having those... Def- but, like, there's definitely, like, an element of people who come to these things who want the answer, who want to be, have their their paranoia confirmed, basically, and that's what these other people do, and that's why they can galvanize large numbers of people to come see them. Mm-hmm. I think it also, I, I think people really respond to authoritarianism, you know? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I think, like, even the setup for this, it promotionally is like, I'm Stephen Bassett, I'm the world's only lobbyist for disclosure, this is my conference, and that's so specific that he can get on to Fox News or any of those things and promote this stuff and you know something like culture contact it's like so far it's only been sort of a curiosity of like well you know what is this artistic experiencer group you know like we've had we, we did have some pretty good local press um but I think it's you know unless I'm gonna like bang my fist and yell into the microphone and tell you what's what I, I, I don't think I don't think TV even responds favorably to anything other than in your face explosions and <laughs> Explosive behavior. I think it. I think it definitely responds to. But I think people do too to like a definitiveness. Right. You know what I mean. And so like by saying, uh, you know, advertising a conference or or any kind of thing like that. That's like we're just going to talk and not necessarily come up with answers. It seems unsatisfying. Right. Unless you're sort of trained or sort of uh, cultivated yourself to be someone who enjoys the discussion, who enjoys the debate, who enjoys the, you know, who doesn't feel threatened by the ambiguity. So, so it's like PBS versus Fox News, essentially. Kind of, yeah. So what did you think of uh, Jeff Ritzman and his stories? Uh, they seemed, uh, you know, sort of generally interesting. I didn't 
get to delve too, too deeply into it. I mean, it's sort of hard because it's people just telling you stories and they seem, uh, out, I mean, they're outside of my own experience. You know, like, I don't, I don't, I don't, I'm not aware of any sort of visitation I might have had or any sort of abduction or anything like that. So, you know, people are sharing these stories that are outside my realm of experience, which is fine, and I don't dismiss them because of that. But I don't, I, I don't know how to verify them. I don't know how to... Um, well, just on a human sort of meeting somebody for the first time and hearing a story that is clearly not a dream, it's something that took place driving with the wife, you know, so it's multiple witness, you know, whatever. Right. Um, I mean, does that alone, does that do anything for you? Like, it, it, are you the kind of guy who'd be like, okay, well, I trust him, and therefore I trust that the story is real, or do you reserve judgment? I guess I would... Uh, I don't think he's lying, uh, certainly, and I believe he... He believes what he says he's experienced, and, he, and it's quite possible that he has. I just don't know him well enough to get a sense of, do I think he's someone who is prone to exaggeration, prone to uh, being dramatic or something like that? I didn't get that sense from him, but, uh, you know, I really only hung out with him for, like, two hours. But even even with those parameters, like, how you know, it's one thing to exaggerate lights in the sky. It's another, you know, I mean, that was a whole giant story with... You know, other people, other right, people right, right. and beings and, uh, you know, being hit in the arm and all that sort of stuff and all the fear that goes with it. I don't know. I seem like like that that um, take on things is what I hear all the time. It's like, I believe you believe it, but because I wasn't there, I can't know. And I feel like that breaks down at a level of that sort of Jeff Ritzman story. It's like, no, 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 no. You don't believe he believes that he got out of his car, saw a UFO, spoke to these beings, they brushed his eye, you know, like, that either happened, <laughs> or that didn't happen. Did it happen? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I honestly don't know. I don't... Stop I, being a prejudiced human. Stop being a prejudiced human? <laughs> I mean, like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, like, cynical about it, necessarily. Um, I don't, I'm sorry, I don't know what to say. More or less credible than, uh, Alfred Weber's, uh, Aliens on Mars. Oh, more credible, definitely. <laughs> I think it's because I think it, I think one of the main reasons why it's more credible is that like he's talking about like this is my experience and this is what has happened to me, which is very different than like those people who were like there's an intergalactic council and this is what we have to do. Like I don't know what that's based on other than like I don't know what step they took from whatever experience they think they had to like yep we know this is true. Well, that's the thing; those guys have not had experiences. That, that's what bugs me about this whole thing. It's like people without experiences setting parameters and saying what this is and blocking out the rest of Where do you think that they, in their brain, come up with, like, their beliefs? Well, I think um, certainly from remote-viewed information from, you know, whatever sources do that. I don't even know anymore. Um, but some of it is uh, their alleged... See, this is where it gets shady. It's these people from the government and military, or who claim to be, right. who you don't pass a background check, who give them documents, you know, saying Eisenhower shook hands with aliens, and they go, oh, this must have happened. Um, and there, yet, it's, this weird, it's this weird thing, isn't it, of like, don't trust the government, they lie, they lie, they lie, and as proof, here are our government sources that we cannot even verify. Yeah. What? And there, and there seems to be just like, 
a whole lot of people there who, who want to believe it. Like, their paranoia is like, anytime someone tells them something that confirms that, like, the government's keeping stuff from him, they just um, automatically believe it. And they're automatically like, see, yep, that's more proof. And it's like, that's just some dude who just said something, made a claim based on nothing. So, I mean, like, I think that's where so much loses credibility. And I know, like, for like Michael Sala, who got up there uh, and asked Edgar Mitchell about, um, well, with the Roswell thing, did, did you think that um, such and such a satellite accidentally knocked out yeah. the transmission? Well, that's something that Stephen Greer says, who is one of the heads of this exopolitical movement, along with Sala, that that absolutely positively happened. He has it on greatest authority. You know, it's like taken right. for granted. That's one of those exopolitical taken for granted things that happened. And Edgar Mitchell fucking shot it down. I thought, fantastic, you know, or at least, you know, to the best of his ability, said, I don't really know, but it doesn't sound plausible to me, based on the terrain and based on how those radar systems worked, that that would even have existed there. Right. I thought, wow, there you go, you're done. So no more of this absolutely, absolutely, absolutely about that, but they're not going to stop. Uh, so it's all shady sources. You're asking what are the sources? It's all shady sources, and the will to believe has come together in the minds of these you know, left-brain-thinking, rational people who need aliens to be left-brain-thinking, rational people. So, what is it that you believe, and, like, do you think that, um, what do you think that the government and people should be doing about this sort of, uh, possibility? And if you want to hear more about that, you can head on over to www.cultureofcontact.com, where... I figured since I'm off-island uh, for a limited time only, <laughs> arguably one time only, you will have a, a very special culture of contact, a, a rebirth, if you will, uh, maybe an afterbirth, if you will. I don't know. Point is, www.cultureofcontact.com for the rest of that interview with John Flynn. Um, instead, for now, for here, for me to poop on... Let's rap chat with uh, with um, the man who is missing from this Paratopian equation for much of the weekend, one Jafori Ritzman. Hi. Jeff, I don't even know how we're going to do a rap chat since you, you didn't see uh, anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I saw the inside of my wife's car quite a bit since I drove it to the X-Conference. Uh, <laughs> you saw, and probably, arguably, you saw plenty and saw enough uh well I, I mean i did buy uh the dvds from colin andrews and graham hancock uh which both were very very good um uh, i'll be treasuring those for quite a while i'm sure um why weren't you at the x conference let everyone know why wasn't i yeah the real reasons yeah, we got off this mangy island to go to the go to the conference, and I'm sure people are going to be wondering, like, where's Jeff? I was making all the love to my wife. Uh, <laughs> I got caught in traffic Friday night, uh, so I turned around and came home because uh, <laughs> it's the X conference, and um, and then uh, I got a good night's sleep. I woke up the next morning and. Uh, and I came down and again hit traffic on a Saturday. How does that happen in on a Saturday? Uh, oh, you're from New York. Be quiet. Um, <laughs> so uh, you know, uh, consequently, I didn't make it 
excuse me, I didn't make it there until one thirty, two o'clock on Saturday. Mm-hmm. But then summarily spent uh, 13, 14 hours there, which was great. But I, 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 I question if it was great because I didn't partake of anything the ex-conference had to offer. <laughs> uh, you know, I question that, really. Not so much, really. Because uh, it's pretty self-explanatory. Right. Actually. Uh, and that's the whole point. <laughs> Uh, I mean, I, I really enjoyed hanging out with uh, with you and John and and, and Eric uh, um, and Melissa uh, before I left. We had a really great, great hi, Melissa. Um, we had a really great uh, you know, talk right before I left. So, um, and enjoyed meeting Nicholas from our board. Uh, yes. He's a swell guy, and uh, and Lisa. And Lisa, yes, uh, uh, also a, a very sweet girl, and and uh, he is Violet Rage of the Newosphere podcast. Yeah, cute thing. And well, well breasted, a well breasted <laughs> young woman. <laughs> what is that inappropriate? She's a very pretty girl, uh, <laughs> and um, so yeah, I mean, I had a great time with all that. <laughs> I can't believe you said that. <laughs> I'm supposed to sit here and look at you through this Skype. Wonderful. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the new features here at Paratopia is the Skype video. So Jeff and I are, uh, yes. you know, gawking. And by the way, the by the way, folks, I, I if I sound any different or any better, do I sound different or better? Um, uh, I bought an iMac, uh, and I absolutely love it because I can uh, I can do this. With Jeremy, I can I can see him and he can see me, and it just makes it all the more ridiculous. Uh, so uh, yeah, so it's great, and I'm really enjoying it. So, um, but but as far as the X conference, I mean, I think there was more than their share of the uh, assorted weirdos. My favorite would be, uh, of course, last year's favorite was the uh, little old lady with the red fiery red hair with the little light on her finger, saying that this kept the evil spirits away. Sure. Uh, this year, my favorite would have to be uh, during the bar time on my 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 final hours. There, there was a uh, strange, lanky, white-haired gentleman passing out yogi books, <laughs> uh, who was taking baby steps all about the bar. Now, now here we are. We're in a post nine eleven world in D.C. and uh, there's a strange man carrying around a large sack full of paper. Uh, who doesn't look like he belongs so much at the X conference as he does, hmm, let me see, under a bench in the park. <laughs> and um, uh, and nobody said a word to him, like, who are you? Why are you here? Uh, perhaps he had to take it. Perhaps he didn't. Either way you cut it, that's gold, Jerry. That's gold. Uh, I got a book from him. Yeah, and again, uh, you know. I've been reading it. It's, I question uh, either your bravery or your stupidity <laughs> as to touch anything that he would hand you. Well, it's uh, free. Well, <laughs> so is syphilis. Um, so, you know, and of course, it's always great to have Melissa around because uh, she tends to make eye contact and smile at, at these people, which then just brings them in. Uh, <laughs> And, and 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 for that matter, they stay away from me because they're she's such an engaging person that they focus all their energy on her, and I I like that. I like <laughs> well, good. That's why I love Melissa. I think she's great. You know, she's I mean, like a canarade in a dress. <laughs> yeah. So uh, I I really enjoyed it. Um, I particularly enjoyed, uh, and I've been practicing practicing this rather. 
uh, I enjoyed uh, meeting and uh, being hooked up with uh, Masahiro. How was that? Did <laughs> That's I say Masahiro? Uh, with the EEG machine. I, I really thought that was absolutely fascinating stuff. And it pretty much com- you know, confirmed to me that uh, you are, in fact, an anomaly unto yourself. Ah, thank you, sir. Yes, to make that uh, <laughs> to make that happen as it yes, does. Yes, yes, yes. Thank hat, you. Sir. <laughs> um, because I'll be damned if uh, I mean it was neat in the sense that that I hooked up to it and and to try and meditate was a joke. There were probably five people in that room and uh, lots of things going on, so it was really hard to get to that in a quiet state of mind, really. But uh, I, I kind of kind of slipped away for a couple of minutes, put my head in my hands, and, and kind of blacked out my eyes so I couldn't see anything. And, and that helped. And I got, uh, I got pretty quiet-minded, I guess. And then when I would look up to see what the EEG was doing, of course it would start bumping around and whatnot. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I put on some Maiden on my iPod and listened to it. And it was real. I thought that was the most fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. Was because, uh, uh, and all of you can go to uh, uh, www.itunes.com and look up the band Iron Maiden. And uh, <laughs> that's www.ironmaiden.com. And, uh, and look up a song called Power Slave, which is uh, an Egyptian uh, metal song. And uh, it was really neat because there's a, there's a real driving part which my brain seemed to be registering that driving part of that music. And then when it, hmm. when it chilled out into like a wailing solo thing, it also registered that. And I found the difference is just in what you're listening to and how your brain responds to that. It's just, it's just really neat. I mean, it was yeah. just really neat stuff. And then, uh, and then Jeremy did his, uh, his energy thing. And, uh, uh, and again, I think, I think you even had a hard time getting that all to flow correctly just because of the people in the room and it's a little it makes you a little self-conscious just oh it makes you a lot self especially me because you know i'm doing this weird thing right i'm just sitting there um and then with john who doesn't know anything about any of this right hi guys (laughs) yeah and then just being dead tired it's like you you put all these together and it's pretty impossible to yeah you know whatever yeah we were pretty much all day i mean it was it was pretty constant uh stuff but i had a great time and uh did you do the flight simulator as well no i did uh eric got to do that and uh and the music notes corresponding to uh on the eg was really incredible that's Uh, gonna be fun to play with yeah i I mean i want one i don't know if he sells those does he sell those through the internet that we can give a web address so what's the web address it's psychiclab.net psychiclab.net um so we didn't really get to hook up with anybody in the bar, like Nick Pope or, uh, you know, m- much I spoke l- to Nick Pope um, shortly after the Colin Andrews. Uh, okay. <laughs> uh, so you'll hear that. Well, everyone has already heard that. You'll hear that for the first time when, right. when we uh, play this. Um, um, so that was interesting. What's interesting to me is that he does not change his mind on anything. You know, it's like... Unaffected by that entire presentation, really. Well, uh, Colin Andrews was his. The whole tone of his presentation was kind of like a, not a swan song, but definitely a, uh, you know, spit or bleed 
type of thing. <laughs> you know, uh, I'm saying this. I don't. I'm not trying to convince anybody. You can listen if you want to. If you don't, oh well. It's not going to bother me. Um, but he went very much into the crop circles, having nothing to do with UFOs, but rather um, the attribution of UFOs to crop circles being essentially started by a report within Parliament that said, UFOs, question mark, is this what the answer is? And pretty much it got taken from there, uh, to which everybody these days associates UFOs and aliens with crop circles and uh, crop formations. And he made a point of saying that he feels this has much more to do with human consciousness and perception than it does, you know, any kind of alien extraterrestrial presence or anything like that. Um, which I was kind of surprised more people didn't have questions about, you know, people are morons at the X conference. Well, um, and then the, you know, the worst get into it that much. Really? No, he, he really, he, I think he got cut a little short with it. Really? Uh, is a fascinating presentation. The, the whole gist of Andrew's presentation was, uh, uh, I think was that he felt more or less, uh, like he had gotten out of it or been kind of shunned out of it because he made the statement at one point that a lot of crop circles were man-made. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his his stance upon returning seems to be it doesn't really matter if they're man-made or not. It's what's the driving force behind that. Well, uh, he's also talking about some specific year. Yeah. You know? yeah. But, you know, what was interesting to me was uh, the, the whole thing about, you know, he has this story about... Uh, the sound, you know, sort yeah. of descending into the field and, you know, running around them and, and picking a spot. And Pat Delgado goes over to it. There's a whole group of people. And Delgado almost gets sucked into it when he approaches it and tries to, to touch where they're hearing. Right. And um, literally gets sucked into it to, to uh, the effect that, that um, Colin Andrews then has to pull on him to get him out of this, whatever this thing is that's pulling him. Yes. Um, with all of his might, and he too is feeling himself being pulled, and they, they have to like pull with all their might to break this sort of magnetic attraction and, and of the invisible. In, being pulled and, in the center, yeah. And I don't, remember, I don't remember how he went from that to putting some sort of sound recording device in a tree, some well, nearby tree that they realized was making noise. Yeah, that, yeah, what it was? that was uh, Pat Delgado was, had recorded sounds by a tree, uh, or in a tree, coming from a tree, uh, that was making a not too dissimilar sound from what they recorded in the crop formation. Uh, and it happens to be very similar to, if not the same, as dolphin sonar, as submarine sonar. And to me, this is like this is almost like M Night Shyamalan's The Happening. You know, it's like, gee, is this the way nature communicates with itself? Is this like, do trees and grass have their own sonar the way dolphins do? Well, is it, this well, sort of what's going on? You know, <laughs> I. Uh, uh, I, I look at it as, and and I think that what really made me and my wife, as we were watching these DVDs, uh, look at each other funny was uh, uh, that going to then Graham Hancock's lecture, where he's talking about fairy rings and people getting too close to the center of a fairy ring and getting pulled into fairyland, right. you know. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought that too. I was like, I'm like, is that you... what would have happened to Delgado? I mean, what's exactly. the end result of being pulled into the center of that thing? I'm like, shit. This is ridiculous. You know what? Yeah. What are we talking about here? Um, 
Uh, I thought but not for a moment two. did I not believe it. That was the thing. Like, I even teared up during Andrew's speech, which to me is the sign of, like, the purity of the moment. Right. Uh, yeah. Which happens, you know, very rarely, but with a few speakers it's happened. Where I just tear up, and it's not anything that he's specifically saying. There's nothing, no tear-jerk moment. But right. there's just something about it that's overwhelmingly real, you know? Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. um... Familiar. So, you know, <laughs> familiar. Yeah, maybe familiar. And I don't know what to... I don't know what to make of that. Well, it's it's. Um, I think it's even more touching in in a, in a way when a guy who has been in it, with, you know, as long as Colin Andrews has been in this game, uh, and is still around and has come to some sort of direction, and you can you can hear the the desperation in his voice when he's saying this really needs to be further studied in different ways than we've been doing it. You know, this this is this exact same thing we've been saying about UFOs, which is you know, new directions and how in some bizarre way that these things are manifesting in fields based on intent. Again, what we've been saying about UFOs. I mean, there were so many parallels to, you know, what what we've said in the show and on the net and everywhere else that uh, uh, I I really like the the account that he told of a a man and his brother who were going to create a formation. Uh, yeah, that was amazing. A, a, a relatively simple formation, but still had its complexity to it. It wasn't anything like, you know, the real crazy ones. But they had planned to do this. The brother got sick. They didn't go out and do the crop circle that night. That night, it appears in the field. <laughs> uh, the exact symbol that they had planned on making was already there. They had told no, no one about it. Uh, so those kind of things, uh, you know, do happen. And, Alan Andrews uh, praying for, he's not a religious man, but he decided to pray for a crop Celtic formation as close to his his house as possible, a Celtic cross, and it showed up the next day in the field closest to his house. And it showed up, what, next to another pattern? It sort of complemented another pattern in that field yeah, or something? Yeah, uh, and the interesting part was it showed up in the corner of the field closest to the direction he was. In other words, it was the shortest point that it could get to in the crop for in the crop field it was as close to it could get to the edge of that field without going outside. You know, this sounds he, all ridiculous, but when you hear him say it, and he's saying, "Look, I'm not, I'm not here to convince you of anything. This is the stuff that I, as a researcher, have not said publicly because who's going to fucking believe it?" <laughs> that's exactly it. That's exactly it. And 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 what have we said? What has Terrence McKenna said? Uh, you know, uh, t- to describe this whole paranormal experience with 100% honesty is to be thought a fool. That's 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 a that's a constant in this, and uh, uh, and we might as well all be fools at that point because if we don't stop leaving stuff out, stop uh, editing our experiences for mass consumption, we're going down the tubes with this thing because we're just going to keep going round robin like we have been. Mm-hmm. And so, Graham Hancock, what was your feeling there? Um, I, I got the feeling he was rushed. Number one. Really good presentation in in as much as he is he definitely is McKenna esque in in what he puts forth uh, very much. Um, Could you see the graphics on the screen in the DVD or does it just yeah. concentrate? Yeah. Oh no, absolutely. Um, you know where he starts out with cave art and uh, and and the uh, the oldest art piece that was ever made and. Uh, and and there was this there was this definitive change in cave art at a certain point in time 
where everything just got, uh, in other words, went from stick figures to, you know, color and shape and form. And not just form, but bizarre form. This was not, um, this was not art that was like a child did it. This is beautiful artwork on some of these cave drawings. And they're, uh, they are warped. Uh, they are swirling. There's, uh, uh, amalgamations of different animals. And there's all sorts of bizarre, uh, I forget what he called them. You might remember, uh, you know, body of a man, head of a, uh, a, a, yeah. a cow, uh, or, or a steer. Yeah, what is that? Or a bear. Um, these kind of just bizarre things. And it, and you have to admit, looking at that stuff, it seems like, to me, uh, if you're looking at cave art across the span, this looks like psychedelic artwork of the caveman. Mm-hmm. I mean, it really does. Um, and I think what he's suggesting is exactly what McKenna suggests, which is, uh, you know, the, the mushroom, the psilocybin, the DMT, uh, these things, when they are uh, ingested, whatever you meet in that kind of state, um, suggests things to you like alphabets and calculus, and he he suggests essentially that you know this is what's been guiding humanity is contact with the other, whether it be through meditation or dance or rhythmic drumming or uh, psychedelic compounds. You are communicating with the other um, and, and them with you. Um, I found the one part especially fascinating that, that seemed to show the figure of uh, what we know as the gray, a gray alien um, on a cave painting. Now, a lot of that stuff gets so misinterpreted because we don't know what their symbols were for this or that or the other. So could it be misinterpreted? Absolutely. But it's damn striking uh, in a lot of ways. A couple of things he presented I thought were a bit of a reach. Um, some of the things I thought it's a little too faded to really be able to tell what that looked like. But all in all, I totally followed his point. I see what he's presenting and, and I completely agree. I think that, um, uh, uh, I mean, we're, we're talking about people, cave art that had very clear, very distinct representations of flying saucers, discs, um, that kind of stuff. Uh, and then flash forward in time to, uh, well, modern day. You've got uh, uh, Amazonian shaman. Uh, one of them is, a, is an artist who has never really had contact with any kind of technology, per se, as, as we have. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yet he paints flying saucers from his ayahuasca visions. Um, I mean, it's, it's, again, it's too... It's way too much. It's way too direct to ascribe this to anything else, but possibly the same phenomena that we're experiencing as as people who see UFOs and and this kind of thing. Uh, I think there's a definite connection there. I completely agree with him. What it is, uh, I don't know. How it manifests as to other people seeing it, I don't know. Uh, but there's something there. Um, and I found it fascinating that what did he he said he's taken ayahuasca sixty times? Did I hear that correctly? Did he say I mean, 60? sixty? Sixty or thirty or, or something like it was, it's, a, it's an absurd number. Um, so he's very familiar with that state, and uh, uh, 
and he also took some kind of other herb that's that's an African uh, uh, equivalent, I guess. And he said that was very unpleasant. He said just constant diarrhea, throwing up, and this huge purge of your body. And he said, what, what, well, I think he said whatever beings that he met in that state uh, when he was telling me, I'm so sick. I mean, you know, they're like the body is. We're not. We don't even care about that. <laughs> you know, we're not interested in that part of you. That part of you is worthless to us. We're talking about you. It's a great lecture. He felt somewhat rushed, I'm sure. And again, at the end, retarded questions. <laughs> How do you sit and listen to a man like that for for an hour or two? And then uh, get up and talk about being at a UFO meeting and feeling an evil energy and and ah, screaming out in terror. And well, I've got a a box, a, a machine that makes evil spirits go away. So I know you know what you're talking about here. Uh, and he's just standing up there with his head in his hands, going, "Yeah, I, I, you're insane. Uh, please sit down and let me go to the next question." Uh, and that well, that's there's no refuge there. In the no, question. no, you're, you're, no. There's, there's no, you know, and and frankly, I mean, again, I mentioned uh, uh, the X Conference website because, uh, you know, I, I was given a free pass to go that day, and I appreciate that. So that was the plug for that. That's it, done. Um, now, now, all pleasantries are off. Um, you know, Colin Andrews gives this brilliant presentation about how crop circles probably aren't what we think they are. Um, and right after Bassett gets up and says, if only one crop circle is made by aliens, that's important. <laughs> yeah. And I'm sitting there watching this, thank God, from the comfort of my own home, where I can't be, you know, that Iraqi journalist to throw a shoe. Mm -hmm. Because I, I, you know, I wear cowboy boots. <laughs> and, uh, uh, I, I mean, you just want to scream. It's like, what you know? Please, please, start listening to these people and stop with the, the 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 crappy alien rhetoric all the time. Listen to what's being said and stop trying to put your own spin on it all the time. It's like, damn, how do you listen to that lecture and then get up and say something like that? It's just <laughs> well, I mean, I mean if, if you'd seen the pamphlet that that had the descriptions of things, it's like I didn't even know what that lecture was going to be. I didn't know it was going to be about that because it was something like. Um, Disclosure circles, like that was the name of his lectures. Like you know, Bassett's naming these things, and yeah. Graham Hancock's was uh, you know ex ancient exopolitics or something like that. You know? <laughs> it's, it's like all of this reaching stuff to try to make it fit. It's like, and and I think Jeremy and I are going to try to put some kind of conference together, um, where these people are actually, you know given the, the credit they deserve for what they come up with in their research and uh, uh, and kind of get rid of the Michael Salas and the, uh, <laughs> you know, that sort and just go with the very astute, very, very important work that's going on. You know, I'd like to get Jacques Vallée, Colin Andrews, Graham Hancock, Dennis McKenna, uh, you know, people like that who are, in my opinion, these are the people really on the cutting edge of, of this sort of research and uh, and they're they're taking the bold steps you know they're taking those steps that anybody could just easily dismiss 
but there's so much interesting factual data behind these very, very weird things that it make it makes it very hard to walk away from that not thinking differently about this whole thing. I, I should just add that it, it's actually paradigmresearchgroup.org. That's it. Sorry. That's so, yeah. So paradigmresearchgroup.org and uh, have at it. <laughs> yeah. If nothing else, get those two lectures because, I mean, they are really something else, especially Colin Andrews. It was really great. Yeah. Should we say the, who the next guest is after this? Sure. We just got done interviewing Bruce McAbee. Uh, where we talked all about Gulf Breeze. And uh, and he did mention some weirdness uh, to that. He mentioned and, a floating arm, Jeff. Yes, indeed, <laughs> he did. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's see, who said that? Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, there is that kind of weirdness. And, and luckily enough, somebody like Bruce has enough integrity to say, yeah, that kind of paranormal he even mentioned that uh, in the course of the discussion that Ed Walters had had, you know, these paranormal events associated that didn't with make the book. That once again, what we've been telling you from episode one of this show, there's certain stuff that is so quote unquote weird that it does not make the book. You know, yeah. And so you're you're stuck with this, even with the Ed Walters case. You know, you're you're left with his hypnotically retrieved abduction testimony. Mm-hmm. Um, and you can surmise that even that is vetted for high strangeness. Probably. Um, you know, possibly. And, and, um, and not any fault of Ed's story. either. That, no, no, no. That, that, we don't, I mean, we're not no, this isn't even about Ed. fault or anything like that. I mean, I, I can understand why people do it, but, Absolutely. but now that we're catching it and saying, you know, I think we're, we're mature enough to, to get to that stuff, that material, let's get to it, you know? Right. And, um... Uh, so that's coming next week. So definitely tune in for that because it's it's a uh, we had a, a absolute blast talking to Bruce. And, and in fact, I think that that our next chat with Bruce because he made it really clear he wants to come back on and talk about other things. Yes, um, I think that we will get into some heavily odd areas, you know, in yeah. future chats. I'm really looking forward to that. Well, I wrote him uh, directly after we spoke with him, and I said uh, uh, that. Uh, uh, the next time he comes on, which is probably going to be next month, um, that uh, I want him to pick the UFO topic that he finds really compelling. Uh, we want to talk about that. But, we'll, of course, we're going to work in the, well, how does that apply into the weirdness? And right. we'll definitely get him uh, uh, into that kind of stuff because he is such a uh, uh, one of the few treasures of ufology um, that, that, that can have that kind of discussion and, and – uh, and, and not sugarcoat it. <laughs> he, he's going to give you exactly what happened uh, as best he can remember it, and uh, um, and that's what's that's what's great about him. He's 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 as groundbreaking as anybody else in this stuff, for that matter. Uh, if it were relevant to the conversation, which it wasn't, so that's why I didn't ask it. I would love to have asked, you know, how is it you worked for the Navy all those years and they didn't care? But Jeff Ritzman's being visited by you know <laughs> fake insurance salesmen at three in the morning. Exactly. Yeah. Who's exactly. doing that? Who are those insurance I, people? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. They aren't with the Navy, so that's one down. Well, um, you know, I don't know. I, um, you know, and since you bring that up, I, you know, I don't know that I've said this before, but I, I probably, I've always thought to a certain degree that those guys who came to visit me at three o'clock in the morning. Uh, at work, to me, as I said at the X conference during our little impromptu discussion outside, um, 
I I often wonder, you know, uh, did they come? You know, they came associated with a particular case that I was working on, and and it involved samples of a material. I I often wonder, did they come because of the material, or did they come because I was being set up? Uh, was the material nothing? Because if the material was something, they could have easily intercepted that before I ever got it. So why the dog and pony show? I have to wonder if it wasn't some kind of effort to discredit or I don't know what. Uh, but I I don't know. I got a lot of questions about that. Um, so um, there is that possibility to me that they were uh, the samples were sent. The girl uh, or guy that sent me the samples was a setup. Who knows? I mean, who knows? And what would be the reason behind setting me up? Um, what does that mean? What does that do? I, I don't know. Um, all I can do is relate what happened, and I find what happened to be extraordinarily strange. And incidentally, put me off of this subject for a few years. Um, mm-hmm. so, uh, uh, it was scary enough that it did that. <laughs> um, so, and there were other events that happened also before and after that, that were of that ilk of that, uh, that same kind of intimidation type thing. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. How does, how does Bruce McAbee work in that field for all those years and never get a, Hey Bruce, why don't you lay off the flying saucers and get your work done? Probably because he's a professional, and he did his work, and he did his job, and that was enough. Uh, and he did it well. So um, they don't really care what he does in his off time, you know? But one would think that if there was some deep-seated connection to that, and he was poking around in it, one would think that, of all people, the Department of Naval Intelligence would say, hey, Maccabee, lay off, you know? Right. But nothing like that apparently ever happened that we know of. Mm-hmm. Bruce McAbee also says he's not an abductee that he knows of. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I, well, I actually, I think I got as much or probably more confession out of him than yeah. anybody else has ever gotten with that one <laughs> little offhanded quote-unquote joke. Yeah. Jeremy and I both think <laughs> that that, uh, that Bruce has had some kind of really significant experience and. uh I don't know. He says he's not sure, but or that he, he doesn't. He he's not an experiencer that he knows of. So, uh, but oh, uh, he said, "I hope not." Was- or I hope not. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's a great interview. So you guys have to tune in next week. So, what do you think, Jeremiah? Are we done? We are done. Great. It's a whirlwind episode. <laughs> yes. I just have to take my word for it. <laughs> right. Okay. Well. I'm sorry I missed a lot of it, but uh, yeah, me too. I did very it's... much enjoy spending time with you and uh, and everybody else there. Uh, great to have met Eric from the News Sphere. Yes, and um, Eric's a great guy, and I hope we can hang out with him a lot more. You know, um, so you know it was good, but it wasn't like other X conferences. And I think most disappointed I was was that nobody was really hanging out in the bar. Oh. You know. That was just really strange to me that nobody stopped by or nobody walked by and we said, hey, come over and talk to us, and we didn't get to do that. Uh, so, well, we did that the night before. You'll, you'll hear it in the... Yeah, yeah. But it was a, a drunken uh, Aaron Clark. <laughs> oh. The end. 
You're listening to Paratopia on UPRN. N-N-N-N. 105.3. New Orleans. Orleans, Orleans, Orleans. Right? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Okay. (laughs) Stupid. And that is not the end. If you go to www.cultureofcontact.com, you will hear that final fascinating long-ass discussion with John Flynn on the car ride home. Um, and if you go to www.newospherepodcast.com, you will hear our final uh, panel discussion and a little bit more um, featuring a whole host of characters that you love. I'll be there. Jeff will be there. Eric will be there. John will be there. Iculus will be there. Lisa there? Lisa's not there. Is Lisa there? Well, if she is, she's there. See? See how everyone's there? Now where are you? I just blew your mind.